Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every week. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damas Cleary. And today we'll be discussing season two of The Handmaid's Tale. And joining us to do that is friend of the show and good friend in general, Lauren DeJong. Hey, Lauren. How Hello, you doing? Broad. Thank you for coming on once again. You were on last year doing The Handmaid's Tale episode with, the season one episode with Damask when I was away. I appreciate you doing that for us. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly very excited to be back. You also did Glow and season one and you did... Oh, you did Twin Peaks season one this as well. That's right. Look, it's interesting that I wasn't invited back for Glow season two. I noticed how you hogged that for yourself. I, I didn't get to talk about it last time, so I just wanted to get, you know... Yeah. What, what did you think of Glow season two, Lauren? It was good. It was good. No, I loved it. I thought it was really good. Yeah, it was pretty excellent. I agree. Uh, how are you doing, Damask? Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah. I've, um, I'm pretty happy for this podcast because I'm sitting right next to my cat. So, if anyone at home hears some purring in the background, it's not my vagina. It's just my pussy. <laughs> Amazing. Like that? Yeah, that was good. I didn't even write that. <laughs> it came out just nowhere. Just came out. Yeah. Just came out. Just slid right out. Okay. Oh, let's, <laughs> let's slide right into our first segment, which is always, as always, Off Topic Hot Topic. Off Topic Hot Topic. That's whatever you were talking about for you. Off Topic Hot Topic is the part of the show where we talk about things that just aren't the season of television we're reviewing this episode. Um, we always start with some Brian Fuller watch. Nothing significant has happened to Brian Fuller directly, but I thought it was worth bringing up that there is Brian Fuller related news that has Ooh, happened recently. What is it? What is it? Okay, so this article comes from the AV Club. This is written by William Hughes. Another set of showrunners have now ditched out of Star Trek Discovery. Ooh. So, I won't go through the whole article, but basically, um, the showrunners Aaron Harbitz and uh, Gretchen J. Berg, who have been showrunning after they took over for Brian Fuller, hence Mm -hmm, the segment, mm -hmm. and then start of season two, have left the show, apparently on pretty bad terms. From what I understand, they did not have a good relationship inside the writer's room, uh, were quite abusive along along those lines, those sorts of things. And so they have since left the show after, I think, um, filming the first three or four episodes of the new season of Star Trek Discovery. And in to take over for them is um, Alec uh, Kurtzman. Um, sorry, I think it's Alec Kurtzman. I haven't written this down very well. Um, he was the guy who... He's one of the writers on... He was on the Star Trek reboot from 2009 or whatever it was. The one with Chris Pine in it. and Oh, the film. The film. Mm-hmm. He's been involved in that and Star Trek just, Star Trek Discovery, basically, he's come on to take over as showrunner. Um, but not only that, he's going to be taking over 
and sort of shepherding the entire Star Trek library of TV stuff. There's going to be multiple series, theoretically, that he's going to be in charge of. What I love is that they have barely been able to keep this one ship together <laughs> with no captain. And they've gone, you know what? Let's expand it. Yes. Let's um give you more work there's, to do. There's rumors. There An m- impossible amount of work to do. Here you go. There's rumors there may be a Picard series coming, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. Yes. I, I, I assume it must be a sequel series, obviously, because he's much older now. But something along those lines or maybe a... They'll cast somebody else and do an origin story, something mm. like that. Anyway, people are excited about that. Do you like Star Trek, Lauren? I've never watched Star Trek. None so at I all. can't say. Lauren's no. too cool. That's not true. I mean, it's not true. I was just trying to give you a compliment. <laughs> You're a loser. Thanks. <laughs> it, it's Alex Kirksman. That's what I was meaning to say the entire time. All right. Some headlines for everyone. Just a quick, few quick, really easy ones. Um, some return dates. Good Place Season 3 is coming back September 27th. That's Ooh. exciting. BoJack Horseman Season 5 is coming September 14th. Oh, that's exciting. BoJack Horseman? Oh, yes. So we're about to, as of next week, we're going to start um, reviewing all the seasons of BoJack Horseman. Oh, yeah. Starting with Season 1 next week because we haven't watched it yet. So I'm excited about have that. You, have you watched it at all? None I've of, watched I, Season 1, I believe, maybe one and a half. I think I've had think an I've episode watched. in the background when I was at my brother's place once. That's how much <laughs> I know about BoJack Horseman. Yeah, it um the progression of the seasons is really like really great. That's what I keep hearing from yeah. people is that as it goes on, it just gets better and better. Yeah, so, so we won't we won't give up after season one if we're not loving it. No, don't. It, no. It's meant to be great. Yep. Um, renewals. Queer Eye has been renewed for a third season. Apparently, filming in Kansas City, Missouri, and be back in 2019. No surprises there. Nope. They got Emmy nominated as well, which we'll come back to that in a moment. Mm-hmm. And some pickups of other original content. ABC has officially picked up the Roseanne spin-off, The Connors. So after Roseanne was cancelled, after Roseanne Barr was a racist fuck, they've <laughs> since got ditched her off the show and are now just calling it The Connors. Don't know exactly how they're going to explain why Roseanne isn't in the show anymore, but they're going to be about the rest of the family. So, you know, John Goodman and everybody involved with that show, the writers and stuff, all the people who would have been without jobs get to keep their jobs, which is exciting. And apparently Roseanne Barr is not earning anything off this either, though she has kept the rights to do future Roseanne stuff Mm. after the Connors if she wanted to. I just don't think it's going to be very popular. Uh, I don't know. John Goodman's a bit of a pull. I think people like that family. It did very well ratings-wise, at least to begin with. with Yeah, but I feel like... Ratings wise, wasn't that reflective of people whose politics aligned with Roseanne's were tuning in because they like to see like a conservative slant in a family sitcom? The thing was, I don't think, she, I, I think the original I mean, Roseanne. I haven't watched a second of it. Did, I, yeah, I haven't watched any of the new stuff either, but I don't think the original series really reflected her current day politics either. So there are probably mm. people who have been pushed away from the show because of the conservative aspect to it now. So it's possible they may return to the show as well. I don't know. ABC needed a slightly conservative or middle ground family drama, so they're going to try the Connors, which makes sense. Showtime are making a Halo TV series. You you were a big fan of Halo back in the day, Damask. Yeah, not interested in them making a TV show about it, though. Mm, I don't know anything about this stage, but they're making one, so that's exciting. Is that a video game? Yeah, it is a video (laughs) game, Lauren. One of them video games. Mm. And HBO uh, have picked up the Joss Whedon original series, The Nevers, a sci-fi epic about a gang of Victorian women who find themselves with unusual abilities, relentless enemies, and a mission that might change the world. Well, that sounds cool. That, that sounds very Joss Whedon. It does. Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon. Whedon. 
I'm going to start like <laughs> punishing myself every time I get that wrong. You should. Um, that's interesting. That just news dropped today. That's really exciting. It's exciting, A, because he hasn't done the original program in forever. Mm-hmm. Ever since, uh, I think the last one he was really involved with completely was Dollhouse. He's attached to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but really in some vague producer role. This is his baby. Mm-hmm. Definitely executive producing, maybe even show running, which is exciting. It's also on yeah, HBO. Yeah, show running would be cool. It's also on HBO, mm-hmm. which is very different to doing it on Fox. Good, because he's been, you know, sodomized by Fox for a long time. So, it's nice that he's moving away. So, I'm very interested to see what a Joss Whedon HBO series looks like. So, what would be the difference? Is it that if you're on Fox, you have to like have an episodic... Not necessarily slant, you have or- to have an episodic slant, but they are just more likely to cancel you. in the, Like mm-hmm. HBO, if they order a series, they're going to put the whole thing to air. You might not get a second season, but they're not going to shift you around the time slot. And oh, like, okay. okay. They're not going to screw Fox you Fox is over. notorious for cancelling shows early and that kind of thing, yeah. particularly when it comes to Joss Whedon. So, yeah, it's just nice to know that he's gone Yeah, they keep that- employing him. He keeps going, but it's a, it's a toxic relationship. What yeah. can I say? Yeah. Hey, Fox only really had him a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. um, the big one being what happened with Firefly, mm-hmm. which is the one that he, he really got effed over with that one. Yeah. Um, although I can't remember where it was. Dollhouse Fox, I think it was yeah. too. And that one, they made that an episodic show, even though he didn't want to. He was able to finally break free of that, but not before it couldn't build an audience. So it never really it got a second season though. This, the thing about HBO, they more often than not will give you at least two seasons. So, mm. I doubt we're going to be left in the... I don't know. We don't know for sure. Mm. Um, but there's another story out about HBO apparently trying to be more like Netflix, make more content as well, just so that there's more stuff out there, more feedback from the viewers, and they can use that data to figure out what people actually want to see on television. Right, okay. Some people are a bit annoyed by that, thinking that HBO, the thing that was good about them was they just made selective, very great quality te- television shows. If they start like... Using the shotgun approach, they might come up with some crap. But anyway. That's all right because you don't have to watch it. Just watch their good stuff. I mean, that's true too, as long as it's not affecting their overall production line, I guess. Anyway, one of the reasons. It sounds like people like stuff to complain about, but sure. One of the reasons they might be trying to do this is because the Emmy nominations uh, were announced in the last couple of days. And for the first time in over 15 years, HBO was not the network with the leading number of nominations. In 15 years. First time in over 15 years. I think it was 17 or something like that. Netflix had 112 nominations versus HBO's 108. (laughs) So, Netflix have only had original content for like the last six or seven years Mm. or something like that. So, it's almost like Netflix, the Netflix model had a reverse effect than people are assuming HBO adopting it will do. Well, it it depends. It depends whether you think, while the Emmy nominations might have gone that way, we don't know they're going to win that many Mm. compared to HBO. Um, though I think they've got a good chance because a lot of good shows on this these lists when you look at them. Mm-hmm. But certainly it's interesting that with the amount of content they've produced, it's definitely being recognised by critics. And since Netflix is the most sort of popular thing on the internet going around at the moment by viewers as well. Um, just a quick list of some of the sort of most important nominations. Um, major categories, Outstanding Comedy Series, uh, the nominees are Atlanta, Barry, Blackish, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Glow, The Marvelous, Marvelous Ms. Mavel, Maisel, sorry, Mavel, uh, Silicon Valley, and Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. I saw that list and just got real happy. 
was just looking mm. at that list of great shows, a lot of which I've actually seen. Yeah. Television's in a really good place at the moment. There is some really good content out there. Yeah. I think that, like this is the first time when I, like, as soon as the <laughs> list came out that I read it, I was like, oh, we should have an Emmy party. Whereas we always have an Oscar party every mm-hmm. year. But I was like, I actually want to kind of celebrate the Emmys because I think it's good. One going to be probably a really good show. Mm-hmm. Um, probably more so than the Oscars, I think, because mm-hmm. that's getting a bit at the moment um but also there's just a shit ton of great shows and we've actually watched them we've actually watched lots of them (laughs) true (laughs) true of outstanding drama series as well the americans we haven't watched that yet the crown game of thrones the handmaid's tale stranger things this is us and westworld were nominated for that category as well so pretty amazing um the shows with the most nominations game of thrones is leading with 22 saturday night live with 21 (sighs) westworld with 21 the Handmaid's Tale 20. The assassination of Gianni Versace, American Crime Story, had 18. That surprised that's, me. That's surprising. Yeah. yeah. Um, Atlanta, 16. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Take your time. Yep. like it. <laughs> Too many M's. 14. Barry, 13. That's cool. The Crown, 13. Stranger Things, 12. Glow, 10. And RuPaul's Drag Race with 10. Also, um, do you, now some of my favorite nominations from this. Sandra O. Oh, Mm-hmm. Got out, uh, nominated for Outstanding Lead Actress in a Drama Series for Killing Eve. She better win. She is apparently the first female uh, Asian descent female. Asian American. Asian yeah. American. Uh, is it Asian American specifically? Or that's the thing. It, is it definitely like she is the first anyone of any real Asian heritage, I think. I believe so, yeah. Yeah. So not even necessarily Asian American, just Asian. To, basically, I mean, that sounds all encompassing, but I think that's how yeah. broad it is. Okay. To get nominated I think, for. Yeah, I think that. I saw that headline. I was like, that's depressing. I mean, yes. congratulations for her. That's awesome. But also, that's fucking depressing. Have you seen Killing Eve, Lauren? No. Oh, you, you would should. love it. It's on you ABC. You would absolutely love moment. it. Go watch it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, can I tell you how little television I've watched this year? Since, since you, as you know, I didn't have the internet for like four <laughs> the months. The interweb. As it was a, stressing me out just hearing about it, yeah. <laughs> as a, um, as an experiment. Like and, you know, like I read a few books and stuff. But, oh, my gosh. But, but really. Um, and then when I got it back, um, I had a bit of like o- – I was overwhelmed by the amount of stuff I hadn't seen. And so I just like <laughs> kept my laptop shut for ages. Mm, yeah. um, so I've only just been easing myself back <laughs> in like a little bit. And I did binge glow last week. Nice. So that's a good way to, to ease yourself. And before in. that, I watched Lost in Space. But I've got a Ooh. real like, uh, like I'm getting to this later. But I feel like um, heavy shows are, are really hard for me to watch now. Like I, mm. I just, I just can't. Sure. Fair enough. Have you seen um, either the play or the TV show Fleabag? No. It's written by Phoebe Waller Bridge, who is hilarious. You would love her writing. Yeah. Anyway, so she did killing eve as well so it's like this crime thriller with a fantastic sense of humor so don't it's like about like a female assassin and stuff and it there is like violent elements to it but it's just a great story with awesome characters can i recommend listening to our episode maybe listening to the spoiler free review and then going and watching it that's what everybody who's listening to this podcast betting an ad into (laughs) your own podcast maybe (laughs) see i'm wise to this shit now because because i didn't have the internet (laughs) (laughs) you could see it coming Uh, other favorite nominations here ted danson was nominated for outstanding lead actor in a comedy series for the good place that's pretty cool bill Hader for barry for the same award oh who cares let's just talk about Hold Betty on, Gilpin. I'm not there yet. Zazie, uh, no, I want to talk about Z- it. Zazie Beats oh. for Atlanta for Outstanding Supporting Actress in a Comedy Series. Damask, I think you want to talk about one other one, though. It's Betty Gilpin. 
Yeah. If she doesn't win, I'm going to be so upset. There's a lot of good people in that category, though. I don't care. She should win. I'm like, Zazie Beetz. She's the Zazie... greatest actor of our time. Zazie Beetz is in the same not. Yeah, category. she's great. She's great. She's not as good as Betty Gilpin in Glow. True. Okay, sure. We'll see what the Academy... Atlanta's cat- good, we'll see- but they don't give her the stuff that Betty Gilpin gets in Glow. I was going to say, we'll see what the Academy says. I don't think the Emmys has an Academy. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a very different voting system. I think they just take polls on the street, don't they? Something like that. Yeah, <laughs> box pops. Yeah. The... The probably the biggest snub that people have been talking about from the Emmys nominations has been Twin Peaks: The Return. Like, just not really getting much there at all. Wasn't that last year? This, these, most of these were from last year. Lots of this, but this is like we've got season two of Handmaids. They didn't get nominated. They whatever window they missed out on last year, they were they were relevant or they were um, up for this year, and they missed out unfortunately. Well. That's what you get for making a show that's impossible to watch. <laughs> Sorry. Disagree. But then again, Westworld did get nominated. So exactly I guess that right. throws that out of the window. Exactly. Fuck you, Westworld. Um, I've only got one other thing I quickly want to talk about in Off Topic, Hot Topic. I We're not s- talking about your penis. You try to bring it up every week. Well, I won't talk about it. On a sim- I will not discuss on it. On a similar scale, I saw Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we saw Ant-Man. <laughs> and, Round of applause for Brad. And the Wasp at the cinemas over the weekend because uh, I always have to go see the Marvel films. I'm guessing of you course. haven't seen it yet, Mm-mm. Damask. You, no. you, get, you fall behind on these things sometimes. I always fall behind, yeah. Um, it's fine. It's fun. <laughs> it's slight. It's one of the lower tier MCU films. For those who don't know, this is the second Ant-Man movie. This is the third film that Ant-Man has featured in, the superhero Ant-Man. This is a superhero who can change in size, get very, very, very tiny, and also very, very, very big. Uh, and he's one of the Avengers. This is the 20th MCU movie. 20th. Oh, really? 20th, since it started in 2008. Crazy. Oh, time flies. Um, as, is, as with the first one, the size-changing action is still inventive and exciting. Paul Rudd is cute. Evangeline Lilly is actually really good in this movie. She shines. Just a perfect mix of, like... This severe but charming character that suits her to the ground and she kicks ass in it. She's really great in it. They did a really good job with her and gave her lots to do. How's Michelle Pfeiffer? Michelle Pfeiffer was in it, barely in it, but she was great when oh, she was. I love me some Fife. Well, oh. there's some young Fife in it. Anytime, any age, I don't care. You know, I'm down for Fife. Do you know how lately in a lot of movies they've been doing this de-aging thing? We're seeing like mm-hmm. um, young, older actors who get de-aged. She has one at the start and you're like... That's just fucking Michelle Pfeiffer from 30 years ago. It's I ridiculous. I hope it's just like a clip from Grease 2 that they've just put in there. <laughs> maybe it is. Maybe yeah. it is. Um, what I found is that as a, as a movie, it was just sort of sloppily put together in some ways. It felt rushed. It felt like it was maybe meant... It would have been 30 minutes longer and then was cut down for size to make it quicker and snappier, but sort of lost its rhythm mm. with that. One of the ways I sort of described it on Twitter with my little review there... Um, the ghost, the character of the villain, actually, of the movie Ghost sort of encapsulates how I feel about it. Jarringly jerks from one place to another without flow or rhythm. And at its worst, it kind of feels like the sort of dorky stuff you might see in a 90s or an early 2000s superhero film. Um, it's, I don't want to spoil anything. There's a moment at the end in particular that just went to that place, I don't know, that like, the power was in you the entire time or love is the answer. I just did something really dorky. I was like, that's, that doesn't seem very MCU of you to do that. Did it like a click your heels together? Kind of. Yeah. yeah. A little bit of that. And it was just, uh, yeah, just dis- it's lower tier for me, but it's fun. If you like the first Ant-Man, you like this one. I like mm-hmm. the first Ant-Man more, I think 
But yeah. there's stuff in here. If that's you needed good. like a break from the horror of the last Marvel that's movie, actually, what it's good for, I yeah. think, is uh, if you're still emotionally traumatized from uh, Infinity War. My favorite thing was when I told you guys that I'd seen that. You know, mm. that the film with the gem glove. <laughs> <laughs> You know? Yes, that one. <laughs> um, I, I love that we're friends with Lauren. She's never seen Star Trek. She j- is just speaking gibberish right now about <laughs> Marvel movies. It's great. It's a beautiful thing. Well, because um, you guys had the exact same reaction when I said that I'd seen it and you were like, did you understand it? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and I bloody did and I loved it. Yeah, yeah I, I, I still can't get over the, how much you enjoyed it. That made me feel really good about liking the film myself. I was like... <laughs> Of course I like it. It's all my favorite superheroes in it. It's a culmination of mm. 19 movies or whatever. But I didn't expect anybody who doesn't give a shit about those to, to enjoy it. So when you did, I was like, fuck, maybe it's actually an okay movie. Because yeah, Josh <laughs> yeah. Brolin is bloody revelation. He, he, is, he is excellent yeah. in that. It's true. Um, also, if if you, I can't believe this. I went to a Wednesday screening. It was it's school holidays here, so it was pretty full. Mm. Credits start. Half the people walk out. Do not do people not realise yet that MCU films always have credit sequences? They've got kids, they've got places to be, they do not care, bro. The They're just gonna care. look it up on YouTube, mate. The kids care. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, the mid mid credit scene is really good and quite important. Oh. Uh stick if you go to see the movie, stick around for that. The end the very end bit, it's a little Easter Whatever. egg. It doesn't really matter yeah. the last one. Um, did anybody else have anything for off topic hot topic? I have not had time at all this week, so cool. no. In that case, let's move on to our season in review. Let me clue you in. Season in review. The Handmaid's Tale Season 2 sends us back to a bleakly familiar Gilead, but does not have Season 1's luxury of adapting from the original Margaret Atwood story and must blaze its own original trail. The core cast of Season 1 return, with the notable inclusions of Sidney Sweeney as Eden Spencer and Bradley Whitford as Commander Joseph Lawrence, and a sneaky cameo appearance from Oprah Winfrey. The Handmaid's Tale Season 2 consists of 13 episodes, three more than the Season 1, each coming in at around 54 minutes, and took us approximately 11 hours and 45 minutes to watch. Hulu announced earlier this year that Handmaids will return for a third season. Do you guys remember what your thoughts on season one of Handmaid's Tale were? Loved it. Yeah, pretty sure I loved it. Loved it? Yeah. No, nothing more than that? Just thought it was great? It was a long time ago. Okay, sure, sure, sure. I'm pretty sure I remember saying it was the best screen ever. The best screen Like ever. as in like <laughs> film or TV. Oh, the best just right, moving picture ever. Peak screen. Peak, peak screen. screen. That's right. I remember you saying that and me just being like, um, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what? Don't you understand the way my brain works? Peak screen. I wasn't able to be on that show. I've only just caught up on Handmaid's Tale. I hadn't seen it before this. I've actually watched season one and two pretty, very in close succession. They kind of mesh into one for me. So a few of my thoughts are probably, are probably going to be equally about season one as they are season two because I've had a chance to really like that sucks, man. Express th- th- it at all? Like, mm. like it's just all happened one after the other. Because the experience of season one and season two for me yeah. were very different. Okay, so the fact that you've merged the two is actually, I, I think that's quite tragic for you. It, anyway. Maybe it, maybe <laughs> it is. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give my thoughts first on season two. Um, I think the show has a lot going for it. Um, very, very well written. Great performance throughout, especially Elizabeth Moss, who was just on another level, ridiculous. Um, which is, yeah, obviously not a new observation, but she has so much to do and just gives so much. In every little moment, she's got you, there's something to read in her performance. She's just amazing. It's beautiful, beautifully and carefully shot, um, which can get a bit samey at times. It's got one sort of look with its like, 
um, shallow depth of field close-ups, um, but it also chooses to make things feel awkward with its framing or make a significant moment out of um, characters like moving over thresholds and stuff like that. Like there's some symbolism in the in the camera work as well without going to spoilers. I, mm. like there's some really, really great choices in there. There's some stuff I'll talk about in spoilers in particular. It's like brave stuff that most shows wouldn't do that is symbolically powerful, um, which I like that. Um, my thoughts on the show are a little bit like Riverdale as well, though. I said in Riverdale, it's like the best version of what it's trying to do. I think this show is what it's setting out to do. It's doing very, very well. My biggest question of the show is how much I like what the show is trying to be all the time, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yep. Um, it's obvious to say the show is depressing, <laughs> like it just is. But sometimes it feels like misery for the sake of misery. Um, does it have it? Does it have anything to say at this point, or are we just watching characters get beaten from pillar to post over and over and over again? Sometimes it feels like there's just it's all about the tone and the mood, and I think there is a lot of story going on there as well. But considering this is thirteen episodes as well, maybe there's less story and more tone, which mm-hmm. is maybe a little out of kilter for me. I think, particularly in the second season. Um, yeah, it's very well crafted. Great characters, as I said. Huge respect for this show on intellectual investment level. Um, yeah, but over 20 hours, I'm just getting a bit exhausted by it in some ways. Um, especially didn't help, as I said. I watched season one and two, one after the other. So, it was like a lot of that over three weeks for me. So, mm. yeah. Don't make excuses for season two, Brod. <laughs> Is that what it feels like I'm doing? I mean, if I'm, if I'm being honest, I think I like season two about as much as I like season one. In a lot of ways, but again, it might have helped that I just watched them one after the other. I think that's what's happening. I, it's possible. It's possible that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Damask? You've definitely got some thoughts. What have? Uh, what do you think? No, I don't have any. You, no thoughts. thoughts no. Zero thoughts. Um. All right. <laughs> is that because Whoa. you're a woman? Exactly. I defer to the man. That's, that's what I heard. That's mm-hmm. what I learned from this show. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's like teaching I, moments. What are you even two? doing reading? <laughs> Put the computer away. I'm sorry. <laughs> all right. So, this season was hard. It had some serious structural issues for me, Um, Mm. but I'm just hoping that it's laying groundwork for something that is worth all of the pain that we had to experience this season. Look, there's enough pain in the world. There is enough hopelessness. I don't need the coldness of the world beaten into my brain by a TV show. With every step deeper into hopelessness, I begin to stop caring. If I have been taught by the show that you can't win, then every attempt by the characters to do just that falls flat and fills me with frustration and I slowly begin to resent the storytellers for even trying to do it. You know, the characters will fail. The chong, sorry, the wrong choice will be made again and again and again. That is another issue for me this season. We are never able to sit in moments. We have a new horror every week and then it's just on to the next. I need time to process what has happened, experience the effect it has on the characters and then head to the next place. I felt as though I didn't get that this season and so I began to roll my eyes when another atrocity occurred. It became harder for me to absorb the real emotional human toll of Gilead. I know a bad thing will happen. There is no other alternative in this show. I no longer believe in the possibilities the show teases me with, whether it be the simple idea of hope or anything. Instead, the creators infuse the show with tension 
by threatening, you know, simply threatening mutilation or rape of its female characters. That's the only tension I buy at this point. Will this person be raped today? Will this person have their eye gouged out? I know a lot of the victories that we got in season one were small and not really worth anything on the grander scale, but those victories bolstered the characters that I had come to care about. This season was severely lacking that for me. The Handmaid's Tale no longer feels like watching the endurance and survival of the human spirit. It feels like watching someone beat an already injured animal to death. This is a 12-hour long horror movie, and I know lots of people felt that way about season one. I didn't, though. The perseverance of the human spirit stopped it from being that for me. But this season made me question, what is the point of perseverance? If it doesn't provide you, the person suffering, with comfort, if you don't feel your own strength, if you don't have anything to live for, if you don't have hope, what is the point? And perhaps that is the function of this season, to show the reality of Gilead, to show that a society that doesn't afford its citizens hope eventually, hopefully, with time, is unsustainable. Maybe the victory will be hard won. But I don't know. I do hope that's the case, though. I would definitely recommend season one to people, but with season two, I would have a huge caveat. I would say, watch one episode a week. Look after yourself. Make yourself a cup of tea. Watch it with someone you love. Maybe have a shower afterwards while you play happy music. Good God, this was a hard season to watch. Whoa. <laughs> Lauren, <laughs> how do you feel about season two of The Handmaid's Tale? Um, I thought that similarly. I thought it was heavy-handed on two counts. Like it was really heavy-handed with the atrocity and the violence mm-hmm. and – Similarly, then with the like over sentimental mm-hmm. yeah. parts, so it didn't like uh, like Damascus. I was eye rolling in a lot of places um, in this, and like I, I think maybe I put too like I had high expectations because it was it was so beautiful the first season. I I loved it so much. It does so much well. You expect it can get exactly, the, and it's most really all of it right, and yeah. it's really confusing because all the performances are still yeah. tip top, like mm-hmm. amazing. They act the shit out of those things, <laughs> and and every scene is really well constructed and stuff. It's just that as a whole, hanging together, I like. Yeah, the way that it flip-flopped around a lot, mm. like you think it's going one way and then it comes back the other way yeah. and then it goes back to the other way and then it comes back. It's like repetitive. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, is that is that just put another way, what you were saying a little bit earlier, the problem was that w- what a lot of what they were trying to do has already been achieved already. So when you talk about the sentimentality or even the horror, it's yeah. like we've kind of done all of that before what are we getting that's new out of that? Is that part of it? Like we're just sort of going over the same territory so many yeah. times. It's not really. Yeah, exactly. And and like. Diminishing there are, returns. Yeah. And there was, and I don't know, maybe it's unfair because there were certain things that I had hopes for for season two that just didn't deliver at all. Yeah. Like I wanted more characters. I wanted more information about existing characters. Aunt Lydia, for example. Mm. Um mm-hmm. And I felt a bit cheated out of that. And the 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 parts where we did get more information, I, I I really enjoyed. Like I really enjoyed some of the flashbacks of, and I did watch it week by week. Mm, um, right. Yeah, and 
even then I was like, oh, oops, I've missed a week. Uh, whereas yeah. that would have never have happened. That, that's how I felt about Westworld. Like, yeah. It was I'd, three weeks in a row, like, bam, 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 schedule TV, like, can't wait to see this Monday night. Oh, we missed a week. Yeah. yeah. And, like, I read, <laughs> I read a lot of stuff about people um, being really upset by a lot of the – um, you know, violence mm-hmm. and all that. Kind one of stuff. episode in particular, I think one of the creators yeah. was like beating people to keep watching. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I didn't, I didn't feel like particularly that way. I just, I felt frustrated by the continuance of the violence more yeah. than like actually affected because it, it was such an onslaught that it didn't. It, like, I felt desensitized. Well, that's to the be thing. I mean, it got to a point where I was, you know asking myself are we using this story to explore trauma or this just a show where we as voyeurs can experience trauma like what are we really discussing here what is and I'm I'm sure maybe eventually like we're going to get to those next stages of like what's happening in Gilead what's happening for all the characters but for this season for what this season is as a whole and by itself for like it's just like Trauma porn every episode. Tra- trauma porn or misery porn are the, yeah. are the words I kept using as well. The You just said you, were, you felt like you were becoming a little bit desensitized to the horror. Yeah. Do you think there's any part of that that on a meta level is intentional? That we are, um, because that is, without getting spoilers, is kind of happening to the characters as well. The the horrors are becoming mundane in this show to I some think degree. That, if that, no, I think that would be a retro justification mm. i don't think that would because be- I, I think there's one sequence in particular that explores that specific thing where a character is again not spoilers but a character is talking about how they deal with a yeah, ongoing yeah, yeah. horror yeah and they they it's just become and then mundane. it's become a job right, right and then there is another moment um not long after that same episode i think n- no no no. um oh, in yeah. the next episode i think where that where it's like the voiceover is talking about uh i'm really sorry that you know you have to go through all this pain yeah, 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 yeah i'm yeah. like uh, is this direct address like what like is yeah. this your excuse for making such a violent show yeah i don't know i mm. i didn't quite i didn't quite buy it and i feel bad because i'm only saying negative things but i a lot of it was really was really still great and um i still want to want to watch yeah um because i think if the next season especially if the next season turns out to be the last season i think it will be good um if they keep continuing on and on and on I yeah don't i don't think this narrative can keep being dragged out not yeah. with did you this hear material. what um what's his name bruce miller said no so when he like was originally putting this together he has a plan for 10 seasons. No, fuck nah. off. <laughs> fuck off. No. no. I was like, you can't do this for 10 seasons. Because no. apparently, and this is all speculation and it is all over the news, so I don't, I, I wouldn't, certainly wouldn't consider it a spoiler, but apparently like it would like the final season would be like Nuremberg trials. Like he's really going for like this mm. long term. I mean, that sort of stuff plan. could be really interesting. If that's I think so, but I'm not way. waiting nine years or whatever yeah, yeah, to, yeah. And to continue to you experience what? this kind you know of stuff. What? Do a time skip. Yeah. Move it, move ahead. Yeah. Get to a point and then skip ahead a little bit. We don't need to see this all happen. Well, apparently like that's sequence. in the book as like, um, is epilogue? Yeah. Ep- prologue, epilogue. Yeah. 
in on the in the book apparently it's like 200 years later like there's a bit of like she wrote oh, really? a bit of information I, i'm pretty sure that's right oh interesting the end of the book there mm. yeah yeah i think when you get away from the source material it starts to it's quite clear that it's not the source material anymore and it starts to sort of riff and like really riff hard in in not a not a great satisfying way as well but i was actually just going to say as well like they you know they've got this beautiful gift of this great source material and mm. this audience who are super hungry for for something intellectual and deep and slow burn mm. um and i think they sort of took the piss a little bit and they still have probably a really great loyal audience because people are fucking hungry for amazing shows like that mm. and even in this age of so much great tv apparently it's out there i don't know i don't watch tv <laughs> there's, there's plenty of it I, I believe it does exist uh, yeah yes. i think so too um and this is still like you know up like fully up there mm. and I, I, I just wasted it i, I know you, you're worried you're sounding negative i th- i certainly as someone who's watched it understand what you're saying though mm. in terms of like yeah i can recognize all the bits that are great about this it's crafted really well and there's a lot to appreciate about that and keep coming back for week by week but it's getting harder it's yep. it's more work and effort to watch this show than it's ever been and that's a problem because it's weird it's like you don't want to say this is i don't i don't want to watch this show or i can't enjoy this show because i don't think this is a show you're ever meant to enjoy if that makes sense enjoy is the wrong word mm-hmm. but it's the problem is like if I, every week I know that I'm just going to come away from it feeling shit, it's like, why would I keep watching? There needs to be something. There needs to be that little bit of hope of yeah. something to keep me hooked. But it, not I, even that. In season one, like I marveled at the at the like craft of mm-hmm. of the of it as a whole. Like you say, it's well written and it is well written. Mm. But in this season, I think it's well written in a micro way. Like all of the dialogue feels right. You know, each scene feels really well constructed, but as a as a whole, yeah, it just doesn't feel. It. And you know, yeah, all, agreed. I yeah, think there's like, some like pretty jarring structural problems, called, obviously caused by yeah. the writing. I think that was it was jarring because of how much I loved season one and how beautifully, to me, constructed it was and put together. And it was so succinct, and every piece of the puzzle. I think ninety nine percent of the puzzle pieces of the puzzle came together really really well that was not my impression of season two i don't think it i mean it's still an incredible show but it was not as cohesive i think as season one. i think that there's different things going on there too season one mm. a has the book and from what i understand yep. pretty much the book is season one yep. for the mm-hmm. most part so you got that plus there's no guarantee you're gonna get a season two so you do it in a place that's like oh if the show ends here then it ends in mm. a place that's okay by the time they're getting season two it was very popular, Hulu's biggest show by far, and they um, are thinking several seasons ahead, apparently 10. And so this season <laughs> has to has to not just go, we need to continue the story, but go, well, now we need to look at what we've got, where we're at, and figure out where we really want to go long-term and how we start morphing into that. And I think that's one of the sins of this season as well. Oh, is it's it's kind of a transitional season. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's getting, by the end of the season, again, without spoilers, I think we've got... Things where the show wants them to be to make it a new step. A step that I think a lot of us would like have liked to have seen this season, mm-hmm. but they didn't feel comfortable doing until they got some stuff figured out, some things where they wanted them, so they could push forward from there. I think 
I'm not excusing it for that reason, but yeah. I think that might explain. Oh yeah, no, I certainly understand that. That's the reason these things are happening. It's it's certainly, yeah. It, this is the movement towards where we're going next. I just wish that movement had been smoother. Yeah, totally. <laughs> than what it I is. agree with that. Yeah. I read something um, that said that they, when they found out they were getting a season three, was around about episode three, mm-hmm. and I wondered whether. That affects things? Yeah, whether that affected the way this season went. Is it not when episode three was released, but when episode three was made? Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Because that does happen sometimes where the show is like releasing episodes. Um, and it depends on the show whether they're still filming and stuff. A lot of them do. Mm. But at episode three, a lot of the time, even if you found that out there, you'd only be able to change like the very ending of the season yeah, sort of stuff. Yeah, Um, It's not like immediately episode four would get affected necessarily. But if it was while they were filming... Yeah, I'm pretty, sure, I'm pretty sure. Because often what they're waiting for when they're like waiting to renew it for season three, they're waiting to see what the ratings are like. So three episodes into it airing makes sense to me. Episode one comes back. Uh, did people, right, did yeah, people yeah. stick around? Cool. Mm. Are they going to stick around for a second week? They did. Are they sticking around for a third week? Oh, it's actually growing. Yes, you're getting a third season. Mm. Like that would be the, the, the thinking behind it. When it's still filming, it seems... I mean, unless they just had ultimate confidence in the show and they're happy I guess, where it's going. Yeah. Um, anyway. I mean, it's... The biggest show on Hulu, so it yeah, but it like like Westworld, we're now talking about Westworld maybe only having one more season because it went from being the show that was meant to take over Game of Thrones to having a <laughs> nosedive audience wise this season. Yeah. And then like, oh, we can't keep making the show at the the cost that it's taking. Mm. Wrap it up, guys. Yeah. Is likely gonna be the result of that. Mm-hmm. This could have happened for this. We might have been looking at one more season. That might have been a good thing. We might be looking at eight more. <laughs> I don't think that like ten is ridiculous. I, yeah, Whoever no, thought I think that was that was his ludicrous. dream, but I I doubt they're going to get ten. I hate. Why is that the dream? I don't think that is something that any storyteller should be trying to do. I understand that. Yeah, this like, TV's war- a business. Like, warning bells went off in my head. I'm like, oh no, this guy wants to make I don't know the fucking the Hobbit movies. Yeah. I was like, no, no, no. You don't need that much time <laughs> to no. tell a story Mm-mm-mm. at all. No, it, the idea that this. Oh yeah, we're going to tell ten seasons worth. Like. Just tell the story that you've got. Yeah. And then if you've got more to tell at the end, do a spin-off or t- make a different show. Don't think, there how can no we stretch this out to infinite? in your brain that you have 10 seasons worth of interesting story full of multiple, like, different characters, each with an interesting arc. You don't have it. It doesn't exist. They have bullet points for each season. What they have, this will be the season about this thing. Yeah. This will be the season about this aspect. But they're not thinking in big, full episodic terms. No. It reminds me of, do you remember Westworld when they were filming season one had a production delay where they stopped production yeah, for a do. while because yep. they were figuring out the next seven seasons? That's hilarious to me now. <laughs> it yeah. fixed season one, but then that screwed the rest oh, of the show, barely. I think. Mm. Oh, yeah, you what? didn't you like didn't season like one that much. One. No. Yeah. Um, we should move into spoilers because we're teetering right on the edge as it is. Okay. Uh, let's give our final score and rankings. I'm going to give this season a three and a half out of five stars. Um, it is, as I said, craft-wise, excellent. There is so much to talk about how sleekly it is written, performed, directed, all those things. But yes, it was hard work. Mm-hmm. And as much as there is payoff here and there and there are things in there that are really worth championing moment to moment... There are times where I was like, Twitter's right there. Why am I looking at Twitter right now? That'd be more fun than what I'm watching. Just It just couldn't keep my attention sometimes. Yeah, I would just go back and forth between Twitter and Tinder. That's all I was doing. I was Whoa. like, I don't want to think about what's happening on the screen right now. I started disassociating throughout the show. 
And that's why I'm giving it 3.5. 3.5 as well. <laughs> Very nice. What about you, Lauren? Uh, yeah, I'll go, I'll go with the team. 3.5. <laughs> that sounds good. One of us. One, One of, of us. us. Okay, last question before we move into spoilers. Um, should people go and watch the season before listening to our spoiler um, chat? Or do you think they're... If they kept listening to what we think of it, it wouldn't ruin the experience too much or is it worth witnessing themselves? I think you start watching and if you get to a point where you're like, fuck, this is a slog, have a listen to what we've got to say maybe and then you can return to it later or go look up a recap, go read the wiki and then decide if you want to keep doing it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think, sure, but we'll just be back here in 13 weeks' time. Like, do do not... Go and binge watch it over a week. Yeah. Do not do that. This Just keep it in the downloads. Just pause it here. Yeah. We'll see you in three months and <laughs> you can then come back and listen to the rest of it. Yes. And that's a good way of putting it. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, let's get into spoilers. You're now entering the spoiler zone. Spoiler warning. On this episode, we will be discussing everything that happens in season one and two of The Handmaid's Tale. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of The Handmaid's Tale up to this point. If you've not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You have been warned. Kids, I'm going to tell you an incredible story. Story time with Damask. Season two of The Handmaid's Tale. We begin by just joking. I'm not going to do a story time this week because all of the terrible things happened and I don't want to relive them. So deal with it. The end. Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. I want to start uh, by talking, just going over some of the things we talked about in spo- in uh, the review that we were trying to avoid spoiling. Mm-hmm. First of all, Damask, you in particular, I think brought this up. Mm-hmm. The idea that there were some structural issues with this season. Can you explain that to mm-hmm. me a little bit more? For me, it was, I think, the repetitive nature of a lot of the things. So structurally, going back to points, just reiterating points over and over again was an issue. But mostly, I think the flashbacks are holding them back much like they did in Orange is the New Black. They became tedious and tired or overly saccharine or convenient. How how many times do we need to know that June loves Hannah? Like (laughs) I I know that by now. Yeah. Didn't need to keep reiterating that. Yes. No, we don't. She doesn't like being away from Hannah. Yep. Mm -mm. I got it. Yeah. I, I think... Flashbacks can be wonderful tools to use. They can be a great insight, particularly in a show like this when 
so much is being repressed and suppressed that not a lot can be said. So then to have the tool to go back and learn something about a character can be really great. Very rarely, I'm trying to think of a time where I got an insight into a character that I didn't previously have from season one in a flashback this season. And please correct me if I'm, well, if what I'm about, wrong because I probably have forgotten them. Yeah. But but the amount of flashbacks that we have compared to the amount of insights that we get from character through those flashbacks, I think I, I stopped getting the point of them. I was like, I think you can just tell me through the straight narrative without a flashback, but thank you. I think you're right mostly and I think, um, yeah, it kind of – the flashbacks just kind of degenerate into this counterpoint to what's going on yeah. in the Gilead reality. This is reality. the lesson I'm learning this week. So yeah. Okay, right. This is the, exactly the same when, thing yeah. the Orange New Black would be doing. It's yeah. like going back to show a point in history that maybe wasn't that significant but just is the mirror counterpoint. Remember to, when things were lovely. Which I, but, I, I, I always appreciate that. I particularly think, again, Elizabeth Moss fucking kills it. June, when think before things were bad, is such a different person to June now, and it's I love that every time I see it, I'm going fucking hell, how much like being reminded of that doesn't bother me too much, but it is too many times. Yeah, so. um, but there are a few exceptions I thought in the flashbacks. Like I, I really enjoyed the um Emily Emily's uh flashback story mm-hmm. with her episode. partner yeah. and and then her and, yeah, and then and showing baby. her like teaching at her at. at um, MIT, I think yeah. it was. Mm. Um, that was great. And also, like like you just said, Broad, like June from before, like her attitude to birth and her relationship yeah. with her mother and stuff. I was like, oh, that's cool. But it was like more the more fleshed out flashback storylines rather than the like. There was one that was literally her getting upset because Hannah didn't want to get be away from her to yeah. go into school. And I was like, <laughs> I get it. Like, yes, yeah. being separated from your daughter is awful. And, like, that, like, yeah, there was real emotion in that scene, but it yeah. was, like, banging me over the head but with the, it at that point. But the thing is, like, we as humans that live in 2018, presumably in a very similar world that that flashback of June lives in, mm. we already know that an idea of, like, who June is. And, yes, we understand that her leaving her daughter would be sad. We don't have any – we don't garner any insights from that information. It's not telling me anything specifically about June. Every mother would feel bad in that yeah, situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's nothing – that we can assume that much. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, human behavior. Cool, I've seen it. <laughs> like, it's just – yeah, it's very strange to me. Um, with we, In terms of the flashbacks, though, and uh, this is interesting too, when – this show is weirdly becoming more relevant in a sense because especially in the United States, conservative politics is really stepping in at the moment. People are feeling the changes of that. Wade and Roe, whatever it's called, is likely to be whatever I don't know that, is. What that is. Basically, uh, legal abortion is, is something that's really on the cards to disappear. Oh, um, my God. In the United States at the moment. So women's rights are being affected in real time. In the real world at the moment. So, a lot of people are feeling the relevancy of this show and sort of showing the oh, potential. Oh, did you say Roe the- versus Wade? Yeah, Roe versus Sorry. Wade. That's it. Thank you. I, I probably said something completely different, but I, that's why I meant. I think that's what it is. Roe yeah. versus Wade. I think um, so. This. I feel it. Yeah, it is. That's what it is. Good. I'm glad someone. <laughs> it's American <laughs> politics. I don't have to know this stuff. The, I'll just casually mention I'll it. I'll just casually mention <laughs> it, though. But, but in terms of the. Like, yeah, we're living in Trump's America. 
it's well, we're, we're in not, Australia, mate. Okay, we're not. <laughs> we're living in Trump's world. The internet makes me feel like we're living Certainly in Trump's Twitter. America. I live in Trump's America via Twitter. Yeah. Um, I love that every day I wake up, look at Twitter, and America is on fire. Yes, every, every day. day. Mm. Every day. So, yes, the relevancy of this in terms of it starts with small changes. It doesn't feel like it's a big deal. It's little things that happen. It feels like people are being paranoid, and then things shift dramatically, and all of a sudden we've got... Uh, Gilead, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a relevancy to that in terms of a cautionary tale. And then also they've deliberately this season in a few of the flashbacks tried to directly tie it into current day terminology. Like when um, Serena, if I said her name right? I'm yeah. Like, yeah, good. A few, in, a second, in my head I was like, I, I've been watching too much Wimbledon. Am I thinking of Serena Williams? No. Um, <laughs> when Serena's going to do the talk at... I have been watching Wimbledon though. It's been I'm very late watching it. No one cares. <laughs> I do. Just talk about the goddamn there show. Was fi- there was a five-setter that went... No, don't worry. The, <sighs> the, she was, went to do the talk at the university, whatever it was, and there are people who are literally shouting at her, mm. cussing her out, signs saying resist you know, mm-hmm. talks about free speech and all that sort of stuff, which are all discussions that have been had in the last 24 mm. months sort yep. of thing. Um, does that have any potency to you? Does that help sort of ground the story? Does it help make you feel I mean, it I differently? I understand the parallels, but as we just said, <laughs> I wake up every morning and see that America is on fire. I understand like it's really important politically to not become complacent. And I think this show has times where it's really good, where it's really like driving that home, that complacency can well, is the death of democracy. However, if I am waking up every – say I'm an American, I'm waking up every day, turning on the news and devastated by what I'm seeing, then to sit down in the evening after a really hard day and watch The Handmaid's Tale would – be fucking traumatizing and just be like, oh my God, I've had enough of this. I Like, if there was an element of hope, wouldn't go astray. So do you think if we, if either there was an element of, more, of an element of hope in the show or if this show existed in a Clinton America, theoretically, mm. or in a not Trump America anyway, yeah. where maybe we didn't feel like this was, we were heading down a, you know, similar path, to some degree, it wasn't as allegorical. That maybe we would there be more place for a misery porn show where we didn't, where it felt more otherworldly and less like a reflection or a dark reflection, but a reflection of reality. Like, would it maybe not feel so um, oppressive? Yeah, I mean, probably. But I also think, you know, just in the world that we live in, you know. Systemic misogyny exists. We exist within the patriarchy. So I think it's always going to feel like we are watching to an extreme representations of the world we live in. Um, so it's, I think there's always going to be an element of exhaustion when it comes to season two. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure it, it does affect people with how close a lot of these things are to what's happening in their own country. I do wonder if that's a point of difference here as well between my experience and your experience a little bit is not that I'm not empathetic, obviously, but that I am a man, that I'm never going to be a mother. I'm never going to be able to have a child of my own to have that connection of, you know, making a baby mm-hmm. of all those other things that it's not my experience mm. as much and whether that affects my tolerance for it to some degree as well because it doesn't 
it isn't reflective of my experience as a white man in Australia at all. Mm. I wonder if that affects how I watch it too. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, probably. And even just like not so much about like, you know, not being a mother and stuff, but just like the <laughs> the assumption of being less intelligent mm. than others. Just like little things like that yeah. that are just obviously blown up in this show to the nth degree. Um yeah, maybe, maybe it does affect your experience of the show. So, Damascus, the reason why you thought this was a weaker season is because it was too traumatic and therefore didn't leave room for storytelling or something? Is that... I think it's, it's only too, I guess, too traumatic in the sense that it's not balanced with a genuinely satisfying story. And now a satisfying story doesn't need to be happy or have a happy ending, but I need to feel like there is movement, like there are arcs, like I am being taken on a journey. So you can, you know, intersperse trauma throughout that. That's fine as, you know, if it has a place within the story, that's all good. But I just didn't get a sense of a flow, an arc of an actual a real journey. I felt like there were there were ups and downs, but as for characters, I don't know. I just I didn't get there this season. Yeah, so, no, I, yeah, I felt the same. I, I didn't feel like I felt like it was really mixed. Yeah, and not, and didn't have a proper direction. Yeah. And there were moments. There were certainly moments. I really, really enjoyed the stuff with Serena. It yep. was complex. Yeah. Um, I think it was really well done, and I was. They were the moments that I I think the most invested. Because I like I was um, confused by my own reactions to things. I was like, "Oh my good, oh my goodness, I'm feeling sympathy for this woman. Oh my god, I hate her." I'm, but like, I'm just like so like I want to know more about you. And the more I learned about her, I'm like the more fascinated I was with her. And I I thought that that's great. That's the kind of feeling I had about you know June and a lot of the other women in season one. I was like, "Awesome, that's great." Um, so th- there are moments uh, where I was like, yes, that is what I want from this show. And I was saying to Lauren, when we were on a little break earlier, I was like, I think there were maybe two episodes this season where I was like, oh, I really want to watch the next episode. So let's talk about those. What, what episodes were they? I can't remember. I know it had something to do with Emily and the other one had to do with Serena, <laughs> which I think were two characters that were really well done this season. Um, I'll give you my guesses as to mm-hmm. what these were. Um, probably. Sorry, I, I should have taken notes, the but bo- I was in when the, the bomb went off. I wanted to watch after that. I mean, that was like a oh, okay, maybe there's some movement in the story when that happened. Yeah. But um, smart power episode nine might be one of the ones. Probably the Serena one. I felt this is one where I was probably one of the best episodes for me. Yeah. Was where they went, uh, where Fred and Serena went to Canada, and there was some terrific moments there for. Spoiler alert! It's my favorite episode. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Same. Well, it, it was for a long time for me. Mm-hmm. Um. And that was fantastic. A, it was a change of setting. It was just good to see something, mm. a new angle to yes. a lot of to these characters. It gave the story room to breathe, characters room to move. And it we had great. characters interacting who had never interacted mm-hmm. before. Yeah. Um, June's husband, whose name I can never remember. Luke, Luke and Moira. It felt like we to, really had movement, I think, in and that And Nick episode. got to yeah. interact with Luke. That's a fantastic thing to see mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Even just Luke, like there's the bit where they get out of the car at the Broderick Hotel in Toronto. Didn't oh, know that existed. Hello. But I was very much like, I need to go there one You're day. You're famous, Broad. Yeah, that's how this works. The... <laughs> They go out of the car and it's Fred and Serena and Nick 
and then Luke. And Luke means something different to all three of them. Mm. And watching that, and just thinking like, this is a fucking great moment. Yeah. Just for them to sit in this and hear about Offred's of June's husband. Mm. Like, that's that's a pretty amazing moment. And but then one, my favourite scene probably that entire episode was the scene where Serena is sort of taken into an interview with the reporter or the journalist or whatever it was. Mm. The Well, he's he pretending sort of looked, to be a journalist, he was, but he works for the American government. For the United States, like mm. the, what's left of the USA, right? Yeah. Um, that was a terrific scene. Like mm. this offer of like, you know, we can get you out. We can get you to. Mm-hmm. But also how smart she was that she completely saw through yeah. all She's of like, the I'm, tricks yeah. and stuff. She's totally. Like, yeah. Because Serena is the smartest person in the room. Yeah. yeah. Always. Yeah. Which is what makes her so fascinating. I mean- one of my favorite moments in that episode, because it like, it's like a gut punch, was when she mm. was handed her itinerary and it was <laughs> Lauren pictures. The car. Yeah. It was clip art, yeah. And I was like, "Holy fucking shit!" She's like in Canada and she's still not allowed to read. Obviously, I was like, "Oh man, she's I, smarter than all of you," and she's not allowed to read. I love how much emphasis is placed on the reading thing mm-hmm. in this season because it's like. Mentioned several times in different contexts, becomes to be extremely important, like in a pivotal mm. um, point yep. of the entire season. Mm. When we get to the end of it, obviously, where Serena is asking for some leniency so women can learn to read so they can read the fucking Bible. Yeah. Which is a great scene as well. Mm-hmm. I might spoil it. The last episode was my favorite episode. Yeah, I was just like, fucking momentum. Stuff is <laughs> happening. Here we go. This is what I was waiting for the entire yeah. time. I mean, do I wish that. Emily and the, I don't know Bro- uh, the guy from Josh a Lyman. Harry Potter movie. Harry what? Um, no, that's Josh Lyman. No, I know. He just oh. like he, as soon as she went in that house, I'm like, am I in it, like a Harry Potter movie? Because it just like everything was like at a weird angle. It's kind of like Southern Gothic, but also like Victorian. Who's Josh Lyman? What are we talking about? Emily's uh, new uh, man, Bradley Whitford. Yeah. Oh, right. Sorry. Who's Josh Lyman? From, from West, Wing. West Wing. Oh, I've not watched it. <laughs> okay, I was right. like, wrong actor. Or am I talking? I'm getting confused. <laughs> yeah. But did we... So, what did you want? Sorry, you wanted them to... Oh, we should have spent more time in that house this season. Oh, yeah. yeah absolutely. We should have gotten there way earlier and yeah. spent time they, in they that They wanted house. it to be a twist. And the problem was as soon it was, as it was Bradley Whitford, I was like, <laughs> don't pretend he's a bad guy. Yeah. He's obviously going to be. Like, he's obviously done but bad even things. Like, but no, no, I was convinced for a little while. I, I'm oh, not for no. a second. The as moment I walked in and saw the art on the wall, I was like, oh, no, this is, this yeah, is no, like, moving her in a different as, direction. As soon as the... Martha comes in and yeah. he says something to her and she's like, oh, don't even try it, old, old man. man. Yeah. I was like, well, he's clearly a good guy. He's clearly not going to rape you. Like, I I think like, and he's got the crazy, um, what's that? Jane Eyre? He's got um, the crazy wife in yeah, the attic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I was like, no, he's not going to be a bad guy. Um, so, I like, it wasn't a twist for it, me It wasn't at a all. twist at all for me either. Right. There wasn't, well, there I haven't wasn't watched enough television because I bought Don't it. Don't have the internet. I, just, honest, <laughs> I bought honestly, it, totally. It was, it was casting. It was like, as soon as it was him, I was like, you don't waste him on a generic Bible bashing bad guy. Like, I this thought it was going to be an extra bad sex super crime weird. person. Yeah, Ooh. it could have been that, but there were so many other things that were leaning towards him, like mm. being very liberal. He's got the music playing. He's got the art on the wall. It's like all these things that would... That set him apart from all the other commanders. It was like, oh, okay, I see what you're doing here. Even her confusion, like Emily being so terrified of him was like, this is made to be, have the rug pulled out from under her. Because it would be terrifying if he 
he made her feel comfortable and then fucked her over. Yeah. But it was the opposite. She felt uncomfortable and I just instantly felt like, oh, they're setting this up. Because yeah. she's the one that's been the badass that ran over the Guardian in the first season. She's the one who's, you know, who fights back against the rules. He's got mm. her specifically because he knows that she'll be helpful for that. Yeah, well, that and, you know, when... When the Martha first opened the door and she was missing an eye, I was like, oh, he takes in like the broken toys. Yeah. That's who this guy is. Yeah. So, and then when I saw who the actor was, I was like, oh, yeah, cool. This is going to be, it's going to be a good time for you, Emily. Yeah. It wasn't quite as good as I was hoping it would be. <laughs> she um, she, she I mean, help herself. <laughs> I mean, I think she helped herself a great deal. But. Well, uh, no, you, I don't know. Stabbing Aunt Lydia was interesting. Oh, I move. loved it. Now, yeah, good on her. You know what? It's like, yes, obviously, great for you, the character. She deserves it. Mm. I was also going, please don't kill Aunt Lydia. She's maybe my favourite character in the show. (laughs) Favourite in the sense not that I like her. You agree with her ideals. Exactly. (laughs) But for me, she is the most consistent character. She is fascinating to me because Mm -hmm. she is someone who truly, absolutely believes what she is doing. Mm -hmm. Like, she is convinced in what her job is and does it to the detriment and benefit of everybody equally. Nobody is really favoured in this scenario. And it, it occurred, obviously, the first bit of that really in the first seasons when they start taking out the girls who have had deep like things taken off them out mm. of the presentation in yeah. season one. And she was like, that's not fair. Yeah, she gives them a little treat or whatever. And yeah. she stood up for her girls. Yeah. And then in this, the you know, I, I love the way she treated June when she came back from her little almost escape. Mm. And June has just been a complete brat, and rightly so. I was she's, like, "What brat?" No, no, but like, no, that, that was like that's what she was doing, right? She yeah. was trying to to trying um, to go to, yeah, 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 and just stir the you know stir the pot, mm. and the patience because she because she understands, and it's like she knows why she's doing this, mm. and she's not going to fall for that shit. Yeah. They're her girls. I loved, I love any scene with Aunt Lydia. I really do. So, yeah. having said all that. Who She's the fuck is Aunt Lydia and why don't we get her backstory? Thank you. That's what we need. Now, I what 100%. We want. The people want it. I would love that because it's got to be fascinating, right? And now she's dead. We're not going no, to get that. No, she's not dead. She's definitely no, not dead. No, what? They said call an ambulance. There was no indication she died. Mm. It was the only... The thing that made me You don't me go, kill Anne Dowd. You no. don't do it. You the keep o- her on. Unless they... Half kill like they maybe she's dead in case they can't afford it. And next also, season. have you noticed this show doesn't kill people? No, I, I had tell that you, same... it just rapes and murders, uh, rapes and mutilates them. Won't kill them. It, I... They'll they'll be brought back to death. Mul- I mean, back back from death multiple times over and over again. They will not die. I made the same observation to my girlfriend the other day. Because yeah. like, Nick didn't die either. I put, nobody sure ever dies. Nobody Emily dies in this show. Emily and Janine get brought back from the colonies. No one comes exactly. back from the colonies. Yes. This was the crazy thing, right? It's like, I thought like... At, Marissa Tomei died. Marissa Tomei had one episode. <laughs> Hey, Marissa Tomei. Bye, Marissa Tomei. As soon as she came music. on, I was like, I fucking love Marissa Tomei. Yeah, me too. Everyone at, does. At first Everyone does. At first I didn't recognise. It was just like, is that... Did a big deal. Marissa Tomei's in this show. Why is she here? Oh, she's dead now. Okay. I mean, uh, I was like, oh, she's still gorgeous. Oh, she's great. Still gorgeous. Aunt May. Um, the, the, yeah, I thought Emily was dead last season. Do you know what I mean? Like when she ran over the Guardian, I was like, oh, yep. goodbye, Emily. I was like, what a great you're, ending to that you're, character. You're out of yep. the series, right, mm-hmm. This at this point. And then... To see her, like, the introducing her, seeing her at the colonies was like, oh, that's interesting. We get to see what the colonies are like. And then Janine shows up. I'm like, this will be an interesting story. And it was, it was interesting to see the colonies. 
but then to just have them brought back. And while the reasoning sort of made sense, it was also like, but the especially Emily, how the fuck could you trust putting her anywhere near these people anymore? Yeah. Absolutely. At least, especially in this district. Move some from other districts and put her in another one. It makes no sense to put her back there at all. This is the yeah. thing that I was talking about, about in the previous section about the flip-flops. Okay. They're just happening all over the place. Like, we're at the college. No, we're back from the colonies. Serena and June are friends. Now we're not friends. Now we're friends again. Like, it's just... Yeah. So, can we just go back Sorry. to... No, no, that's all right. Back to the Emily and Janine thing. Just because I wrote down this thing after I, after they came back. Sure. And I was, I was just getting more and more frustrated with the amount of yeah, violence and things we're being subjected to. And I just wrote, the show wants to show the reality and bleakness of an oppressive patriarchal theocracy. That is why we see all of the terrible things that we do. And yet it won't kill a main character. Mm-hmm. Emily and Janine are brought back from the brink of death. Why not make them one of the faceless? Why not make their time in the work camps? Like I understand going to the work camps and seeing that and how powerful that could be story-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, why not make their time at the work camps mean something? Add to the tragedy, but also add to the importance of their existence. The parts of them filled with kindness, compassion and strength cannot be killed by their circumstances, even if their bodies are taken from them. Which then ties back to what June was saying about like, they slowly like try to kill the parts inside of you. Like make it mean something. The fact that they were at those work camps, the lives of those people in the work camps. But it just like, I don't understand why they bring them back. Cause I think it like cheapens that story. I think the sadness of what is happening, happening in Gilead is this women lose their names. No one is more important than the other. But they have made all of these main characters way more important than anyone else. June is like this badass hero now. We have Janine and Emily who can't die. When, it's you, just, when you say June's a badass hero, what do you mean by that? I mean just with the ending. What, what's badass hero about what she does? The uh, fact that she gives her... It's not, she changed the name to Nicole, which is fucking it, ridiculous. Holly, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> What that that does not make any Nicole. Let's call her Nicole. Yep. <sighs> Why? Well, anyway, this woman held you down while you were being raped. Yes. Multiple times. Yes. But really violently and one time. You named your daughter after your mother, yes. which makes fucking sense. Yes. This woman does one kind, but really also she's really just doing it for herself and for the child that she believes is hers, which it fucking isn't. Mm. And then you're like, yeah, oh, she called her Nicole. Yeah, and I'll, I'll give you that one little favor. No, you fucking wouldn't. You never would. It's absurd. Anyway, I think they are setting up June to be this big badass character. With no, the way they, I think they actually said the word badass in the last episode. Oh, you're a badass. Oh, they do. That's they right. They literally yeah. said that. Um, I've got a lot of thoughts about what you just said. The for me, like yes, I I just want to agree on the whole. No one dies in this show, and that's really weird. Like they mm-hmm. have a very core set of characters, and they either can't seem to find a way to add new ones yeah. to keep the the cast fleshed out, so they have to just keep the ones they've got around, yeah. or they're they're not willing to kill them mm-hmm. off, which seems weird when we know it's yeah. like. That being said, I also feel like I was thinking this to myself and going, but does does do the circumstances or do the consequences always have to be death? We're used to that because of Game of Thrones, right? The consequences often seem to be that person dies, right? Yeah. But is that is that the only way to have stakes? Are there other things? No, it's not the only way. But I think if you 
show us so much violence and horror because you really want to hammer home the reality of the situation that these people are in to then remove the prospect of death from that, which I think they have done at this point. It seems like, well, what are we doing? Are we doing something real or are we not doing something real? Yeah. And I think the biggest part that's the part makes the hardest is that Emily was almost meant to be a cautionary tale, Mm -hmm. right? She was like meant to be, what happens if you step too far? If Mm. you do too much to resist and Emily was the example. So her coming back is like, oh, she just came back. That's the problem <laughs> with it. And I still think there's probably some good things to do with Emily. They've got, a, I think one of the reasons they've got a great actress and they want to keep her around because mm-hmm. they like her performance and what she's doing. And they've got this whole story yeah. built for her now. I love the character of Emily. I'm yeah. glad she's back, but narratively speaking, it's confusing. I think, I think what they might be trying to do is they get her back and they get her to this new commander's place and she's on edge. She's going to, stab him at one point and he's like, what are you doing? Mm. And then she decides to stab out Lydia and that is like, her reaction that's fantastic. She's in that room, she's sort of pacing back and forth, she's like a manic smile and then it's sadness and you realise that she's just sort of at her wit's end and she's almost just wanting to be killed at this point. Like, give please someone finish me off finally. Stop, let's get this over and done with. Which we did in season one with her, but yes. Which we did in season one with her. <laughs> And then undid it. And then I think... Can't wait for them to undo. I wonder if their reasoning ultimately for her being sent to the colonies and her being brought back is that they've saved her. They've shipped her out of Gilead. She's going to Canada. And she's going to be a very good resource in the sense that she has been amongst a lot of different... Uh, different these places where no one has really escaped from. We've seen people who have escaped beforehand or who aren't really handmaids or around mm-hmm. commanders. Um, I think the best example being Moira, who was sort of in... She escaped from that sort of fringe... Jezebels. Jezebels, whatever it was, yep. When she was Ruby or whatnot. But that's not really the same thing as... Mm. Like, I for a while I was trying to get my head around like why the letters from the Handmaids were so... Such a big deal. But it was because Handmaids hadn't really gotten out yet. Yeah. No one who's been a Handmaid had made it to Canada at that point. So well, get, I don't think that's true. I, th- that's the only reason I have. Otherwise, why the letters... Well, Moira you, was a Handmaid... Oh, she was originally too, yeah. wasn't she? I don't think. Fuck, no, I, I think that. it was just the timing of it. It was a PR nightmare for the Canadian government. So th- these letters were given to the media. It was splashed all over the media. People started protesting. So the Canadian government was like, to respond. "We can't have you here anymore." Maybe you're right. Um, okay, that takes away that theory because I was thinking it's like the what Emily has I mean, I like is that knowledge theory, of like yeah, yeah. commanders and also of being in the colonies. Mm-hmm. Like she understands those things yeah. quite well. They yeah. might not have a lot of that intel. You know, um, I I mean, I really like that idea that she will then go to Canada. She used to be a teacher. She, you know, uses that ability to educate the world about what is actually happening in Gilead. You know, hardening sanctions against them. Maybe perhaps even international milita- military operations. Who did, knows? Did you see the maps that yeah. Fred was looking at in the last episode? No, I didn't pay attention. So right before... Probably on Twitter. Oh, right. When... Uh, I Maybe I'm misreading this, but I've got a theory on this going. This is this is get a little bit into theories and stuff later on. Mm-hmm. But the when the fire is going on across the street, the distraction, he notices that... But just before he notices it, he's looking at maps of the US. They're upside down, right? Because we're looking at the perspective we're looking at them from. He's looking at them the right way. Mm. I thought that was specific. They're trying to keep it a little bit hard to see. But it's the US and across the north, the south and the west coast, there's like this, it's like this red sort of like highlight that's Mm -hmm. happening around the side that I'm wondering, because it doesn't seem to be around Boston where they are, 
that I'm wondering whether that's an invasion that's starting to happen. They're starting to be. And because we haven't gone back to Canada Mm -hmm. since they were there, so whether this, these letters and whether the We Believe These Women has sort of spurred the the military, the Canada and allies to start to fight Mm -hmm. back against Gilead. And because I think we get the impression that Fred's been under a lot of stress at his work. Yeah. And the it's handmaids kind of fucking shit. That's true, but the handmaids aren't going to know what that's about. We don't get that perspective because mm. we don't follow him all that often. And so, whether they're actually fighting a war at this stage, but we aren't seeing it because they're not going to—they're going to keep it away from mm-hmm. general society. They're going to keep it a secret, right? Um, and so, whether that war's even started. And so, the the thing that for me that was like that we can talk about the ending in a lot of ways, but. The Martha sort of network that's going on is was a really important revelation in terms mm. of there is a network of resistance that is taking place, and that maybe Emily at one end and June at the other end are going to be able to tap into that and start to communicate back and forth. And like, I don't really know exactly how it's going to mm-hmm. work, but I thought these were all very specific revelations of like, so this is what we're going to work with next season. Yeah, I don't know. That doesn't justify bringing Emily back. <laughs> necessarily and I'm doing that mm. stuff but I was like yeah. I think that's what they're building her for yeah. I guess yeah I, I mean I that wouldn't surprise me and I think I would be happy because really all I want an expansion of the world but I also at the, at the same time want to take the time with characters as well so I don't mind like all the little the extra stuff we, you know we have people in Canada and stuff yeah but we also have 13 hours. So I think I think we can spend we don't need a 30 second shot of someone's hand if that means that we get less character time. Right. You know what I mean? But we can keep this story moving along. Yeah. And if there's an invasion that will do it. I just this whole pre- the whole pregnancy seems to go forever. <laughs> I mean that is the center point of the season. I think that was kind of they were kind of hamstrung by that though. That was something. I think she's pregnant at the end of the first season. Yeah, she's. They discover she's pregnant. I believe so. I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong. Yes. I'm pretty, no. Yes. Yes. She's, right, she's yeah. pregnant at the end yeah. of the first yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think that was something that was up in the books, and they had to deal with. And oh yeah, because um, Serena takes her to see Hannah, and she's like, "If anything happens to my baby, then I'm gonna fuck your baby up." Yeah. Correct. Yeah, that happened last season exactly. Um, and so they felt like they had to see that through. Obviously, there's a lot of dramatic potential in that, and they tried to wring as much as they could out of it. How successful that was <laughs> is, I don't know. Did you? Let's talk about the st- start of the season. The season starts in an interesting place. We spent three episodes basically sort of getting June out of there, and then not mm. turning around. She goes back to the Waterfords. How do we feel about that? Did that work for you? Did that do anything? Did that, in retrospect, do a lot for you or not? Because I started watching it week to week and I think it was Mm -hmm. those first three episodes, maybe the first two episodes. Um, And I was not impressed with what I was seeing. I found June just kind of sitting and waiting boring. I found the stuff in the Boston Globe overkill. The shoe thing (laughs) I thought was awful. Yeah. Really, really bad. Um, and it also didn't help that her only interactions were with Nick, who I think is underwritten. One hundred percent. Ill-defined, <laughs> which doesn't help. 
Yeah, I mean this this is our entry into season two, and I I mean I watched it ages ago now, so maybe my memory's off, but I wasn't overly impressed. What were your impressions? I didn't. At first, I didn't mind because I I mean I wanted her. I was rooting for her. I wanted her to get out. Um, I thought cool. So this this has to happen, and then something excellent will happen. Um, and so retrospectively. I was like, that was a waste of time. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because, mm. yeah. I, I feel like what they... I, I like a lot of what is done the first two episodes, I particularly like where it ends with the, her almost getting out with her deciding to get on that plane and leave. Is that the third episode? Yeah, third episode. Third episode. Leave mm-hmm. and I'm sorry, Hannah, but... Good luck. Yeah. I'm out of here, right? When they shoot up the plane, I was like, for fuck's sake. Right. Mm. But I feel like that would have been just as effective if you did it in one episode because I actually like what that sets up for her. She has an arc. I think Judith has an arc this season. And the arc is the no, I've had multiple opportunities to get the fuck out of here and leave Hannah behind and has decided that I'm not going to do that. I need to put my daughter first before myself and not just my daughter, all of our daughters, like the next ge- generation of women who are coming through, who have got no hope in this society, mm. um, that that she needs to to do that. That so, I like where it goes, but it didn't need three episodes to feel, to get to a point to establish that 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 arc. It needed mm. one episode of her almost escaping and having that decision to leave Hannah behind yeah. to then get to that moment at the end of the season. Because I like that arc, but I just didn't. It was. Drawn out. What really bothers me, this is one thing that really bothers me about June, is that she doesn't fucking think. <laughs> she reacts a lot. It's very reactive. She's very reactive. So, she now has, I guess, a few Marthas. She has Marthas as her resource to get her daughter back. You know what would probably be smarter? Leaving the country getting some more resources, spreading the word. Yeah, I disagree with this. I I disagree with this because I've had this conversation well, with Lauren like in the car. Season three, now she is going to have to be a fucking superhero to get anything done. There's This is why I think that the war is coming because the war yeah. is going to create chaos, mm. right? It's going to... Because if the if things just stayed the same as yeah. they were... But she, she doesn't know that. No, she's she doesn't. She's making such a dumb, ignorant decision. Possibly. But the the the... For me, the choosing to stay behind is... Correct in terms of tr- if she's okay. I'll put it this way: Hannah is in real danger if she leaves. You talk about getting resources and spreading the word and all those sorts of things, right? But she doesn't have any power in Canada. She has none. If she leaves the country, she's got no power. She has to rely on whatever the Canadian armed forces or the Allies are going to do next. Mm-hmm. She's not a military strategist. She doesn't have anything there. What she does have, because of Fred's infatuation with her, is a tiny smidge of power and influence that when she's in that house. She and, just stole a baby, though. But, mm-hmm. okay, the baby is gone. But surely she's not going back to that house. She She'll just be wrote going, a massive slogan on the... Like, she that, just did a big element, fuck you on the that wall. That element like. is the hardest part for me to get my head around. But every other element, I think, I think she could walk back in there and it could work. Because... He I is, would hate that 100%. I think it's where it's going. I think she's going back to that house. So you're telling me that season three is probably going to consist of going back and forth, back and forth again and again like this season did? That sounds fucking terrible. It 
I think that a lot more is going to change in terms of because the. St- Can we he- get out of the fucking Waterford's house, please? Well, she's got to be a handmaid. That's the. It's, it's a handmaid's tale. I don't believe. Okay, if she left the country, we have no point of view inside Gilead anymore. So that that, that we're never going to do that. So she has to stick around in there because we need her inside Gilead. Whether she goes back to the Waterfords or not, I, I would argue matter. that Serena could become an a ironside mm. killer. She's, she's not sympathetic enough at this stage. Maybe later on, I don't think we're there yet. She as just you gave said, her baby away to be taken away from Gilead. But it's not her baby. As Damas said, nah, it's June's baby. It is, but There's she believes not, it is. Yeah, but she's fucked. Like, but okay, but if it's The Handmaid's Tale, right? It's yeah. June's story. Then we can just follow her wherever she goes. Yeah, but we need her if we just follow her to Canada. That she runs out of things to do. Like she doesn't have anything to do in Canada. She just doesn't. My she problem. She just meets up with Luke again, and then they sit there putting posting flyers. Like that's what she's got left to do in Canada. We barely had anything for Luke or Moira to do this season. They found three episodes to really just try and wring anything out of them. They didn't really know what to do with Moira this season. Mm. Right, I, mean, so I, think I that's felt. a writing problem. I don't think there's a lack of potential of story. I think there is a potential for story, but it doesn't relate back to what's happening in Gilead. I think there's a great lot of stories about being a refugee in Canada or as an American refugee. That ep- that first episode with her, I loved what they were doing there. And then they mm. didn't know where to go with it because it, didn't, it wasn't dramatically tied back into what was happening in yeah. Gilead. You know, point they being, need more rapes every season. So point being, if she, stay there. if she leaves, if, if June leaves... Mm. Hannah is fair game, particularly with Fred. And I just, I would be like her. Like, I, she's done. She's fucked. Hannah is dead if that mm. happens. But inside Gilead, she has the slightest bit of influence. Don't ask me how she gets back into that house. I just but don't. I'm pretty sure that's what's happening. I don't think that's true. And I think it's clearly stated that her influence is if you let me fuck you whenever I want, I won't kill you. That's as much influence as she has. There's a, but it's not just, I think, the he's infatuated with her. He will do things for her. It's all completely warped and fucked. But his infatuation with her is important. That's what she has. Mm. She, she, she is the bargaining chip there to some degree, right? But she, when she leaves and goes to Canada, she doesn't have that bargaining chip anymore. So she had to stay. If she's... Obviously, she's stayed... Um, if she goes back to the Waterfords, I'm going to be so disappointed. I, I I think that's so fucking dumb. Uh, don't be surprised if they do something like they did this season where they spend three three episodes of her not being at the Waterfords and then back at the Waterfords. Yeah, that sounds incredibly boring to me, but sure. Uh, you might be right. Part of that <laughs> argument that I, don't really, that I don't really understand is so that car with Emily in it mm. and now the baby um, – she, like she doesn't there's no guarantees that that car is going anywhere good and with this like renegade woman who's very much insane like is that a is that she, a good choice she trusts like, it she trusts emily yeah i think they've established trust trust between the two of them that doesn't surprise me i yeah it just Where, where's june going if she's not going to the waterfords she doesn't have anywhere else to go. To Hannah. Well, I, I assume she was... Because obviously know the is. Marthas are some sort of underground, I'm assuming somewhat connected to May Day. I assume she was going to join the resistance in some way. I think that's true too, but I think she's more important if she is somehow still back in the Waterfords or, or that area. That She needs to go back to that group. I just... I. Yeah, I really don't see how she can wield hey, any kind of power. Emily has come back from the fucking colonies. Janine has come back from the colonies. These people have all... She got left back in with open arms after she ran away 
with yeah, the pregnant baby. I just baby. don't see how her going back to the Waterfords ends up with why she'd be like, oh, if I go back there, then I'll somehow get Hannah. Because she can protect Hannah a little bit from there. Because the people who would actively hurt Hannah may not mm. if she can come to but some the, agreement. But the thing is, what we hear from what June overhears when Fred and Serena are in that empty house, which belongs to the the new parents of Hannah, is that Fred is actually a little worried. So that Hannah's parents are actually higher ups yes. than Fred. Yeah. Do you think those higher ups would allow Fred to do anything to their child? I don't think so. It's mm, a good point. Don't know. You Still can't not- just go around hurting kids. They need fucking kids. Yeah. I don't know. Fred's. I. I just. I don't know what he is capable of. If if June's not there, she's got no power. That's the thing. She needs to be in Gilead to have any sense of power at all. That's fine. I just think going back to the Waterfords is fucking dumb. Oh, maybe it's not the Waterfords then. But she's. She can't go. She can't leave. She can't go to Canada. Anyway, we've been on this point way too long. <laughs> Um, I'm trying to think of other things really wanted to talk about here. I kind of wrote down all the storylines, just mm. want to go through it beat by beat, see what you thought of them. Um, well, Aunt Lydia in general, we've talked about now. Do you, you think she's alive? She's not going to die? I think she's alive, yeah. And then when she's like recovering, then we'll have uh, flashbacks. Please, of please, 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 her please. Life. Um, did you, what did you think of the escape though, in terms of like the Marthas and all those sorts of things? Did you enjoy that? That little. Secret I thought it was of- really sudden. Like it came out of absolutely nowhere, and it was good. Um, it was good, but I'm like, well, I I had no. There was only slight inclinations of it, and only in that episode, I think, when they're like, oh, where's Martha? Oh, she must have mm. gone out. Yeah. Um. I mean, we've we've had a sense that there isn't a, re- a resistance for a long time, and we just haven't understood how it worked, and maybe we've just and absolutely no clue that. Um, the Waterford's Martha was involved. But I think that's kind of the idea of why the, the network works. It's like the Marthas have been unassuming. We don't suspect them of anything. So when, I mean, they... Is it weird? Okay, so I believe her name's Rita, their Martha. Rita, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it weird that she had possession of those letters the whole time mm. and didn't do anything with them despite the fact that she was connected to the resistance? Maybe. Yeah, it's inconsistent. Mm. Yeah, probably. Okay. <laughs> but I did like Luke. Han- uh, I mean, I like Luke probably, Han- oh, yeah. As yeah. Martha's, they're probably less concerned with the plight of handmaids in particular. Like, you know, it's just part of the whole. Yeah. But I mean, like, when they were compelled to smuggle out this mm. particular handmaid and then also because was what a child. But like what else are they doing? They're part of the resistance, right? Mm. So then getting that information out there, even if it is coming from handmaids, I think would be helping the resistance, mm. surely. I think the Martha's getting June out and Emily out is more to do with what information they may have than anything else. Like it's it's mm. not just because she had a child. Why why they get rid of Emily? Right. Yeah. It's because they are theoretically going to be helpful. Yeah. And that's they're valuable in that sense. I think that's the main reason they're getting them out. Yeah. I mean, I'm really. I was just was so happy that something was happening. Yeah. I really really liked that last <laughs> yeah. episode. Do we like much? What do we think of the episode where June sort of becomes a bit of a drone, <laughs> where she just like gives in and oh, the battle between June and Offred. Yeah. Um, what episode was that? It was episode like episode five, four, I think yeah. it was. Yeah. I mean, it made sense. It was kind of like, of course, after June 
acted so rashly and got this family involved in, you know, her her plight in her, you know, journey towards freedom that they, you know, ended up well, the guy ended up dead. The wife ended up as a handmaid and the child was put into um, the care of someone else. Why that would then cause her to disassociate to become practically catatonic. This is the one time where I thought Elizabeth Moss was a bit over the top. Over the top? Yeah. Um, I didn't I didn't really buy it. And also knowing that there was so much more of the season to come, I just... I didn't buy it for a second. Well, this going to spoilers now, this is my least favorite episode, mainly because it just doesn't really have an ongoing bearing on the rest of the season. No, not at all. It lasted one episode. And I, and it was so annoying, the ending. Uh, we're, we're having good weather. We're having good weather. Whatever, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever yeah. the line was. I didn't so. mind that representation of her sort of being stuck in this drone mode or whatever you want to call it, but it was, yeah, no. It's, it um, was just really heavy-handed. Yeah. And... I mean, I think this is a problem that the show has, though, is that we have these moments that should be really big moments and then they're gone like that. Yeah. Like we have, you know, the revolution of Serena and June writing, breaking the rules, Mm. and it's over like that. Yeah, right. I wanted Mm. that to go for so much longer. It's such a potent Mm. thing to be doing. And then to yeah have it not even an episode. It's like it's it's ended or they hinted at the end of one episode. They do it at the start of the next episode. Go oh yeah we're done with that now. Bye. That could have been so much fun. There was so much yeah. to be talked about or experienced there, and they just it's over and done with. In the episode where they're doing the writing stuff together, where she's getting June to be her editor and stuff, there is I'm pretty sure it's the same episode. What I wanted to ask about that I think was what did you think about that? that whole idea of free speech, that she was being denied free speech. Are we on Serena's side with this? Are we not on Serena? Are we with the the mob mentality around her there? I mean, you can, in that context, sure, you can say what you want. However, I think having resistance against that is important, particularly when people are using free speech to um, broaden the audience or to... Um, spread the word of an idea, a new political idea that really is centered around the removal of free speech. Yeah. So I think, um, was I on Serena's side? No, yeah. I, I was not because I know where it ends. That's the hard bit to take seriously mm. is like free speech for an idea that's going to be oppressive for free yeah. speech. Like you don't actually believe in that. You're just using these people's beliefs yeah. against so them. So when, you know, Fred's... Fred's like, you know, she has a right to speak. I, this is it's, America. It's <laughs> hilarious, really. And I and I think it's it's meant to be um, focusing on the hypocrisy of these two people. Definitely. Um, Serena, for me, was like my favourite character in terms of what she was going through this season. Obviously, there's just the... It's just always fun to see her bristle when June is having a motherly moment. There's that mm. bit where she's like having... June's having... Um, like a little brunch with the other handmaids mm-hmm. and Serena just is totally on the outer and it's all one shot, just I the same angle. I love when she's angle. trying to be like a cool mum. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like Amy Poehler and Mankills. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, loved all those moments. Found them really compelling. It was really fun to see June 
able to indulge in those moments mm. and Serena Bristle was always fun. Doesn't she have some line about some cafe that she went to? Yeah, she was like, oh, I've been, and they realised they'd been to the same cafe. Yeah. I was like, this is yeah. fun. This like, is- maybe we had the same pancakes next to each other. It's yeah. Like, Shut up, Serena. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else do I like about Serena? Obviously, well, ultimately we should be talking about Eden a little bit then. So, um, what's his name? Nick? Mm-hmm. Nick doesn't have a lot to do. He's... The baby, the father to to Nicole slash Holly. Mm-hmm. He is a protector, and he gets a child bride. <laughs> he does get a child bride. It's a child bride. He does. He is a statutory rapist. Mm-hmm. That was fun. Not. Yes. That's yep. Uh, how do we feel about this storyline? Eden as a character and what they're doing with her. I mean, I liked the balance of Eden in that she was both a victim and a threat, I think, which was really cool. Like we feel sorry for this girl who was so indoctrinated into such a healthy life. And obviously she feels nothing but dissatisfaction with her circumstances, but doesn't have the resources to understand why she feels that way because she should feel fulfilled and happy in that role that she's been taught. She's, you know, ordained to be in. Um, which is great. But then we also know because she is such a loyalist that at any moment she could turn around and say something to someone that could get Nick or June or anyone killed, which is terrifying. The the live hand grenade in that thing was always the letters when he took them into his mm. house. I was like, oh, no, she's going to find them. And she did, but she didn't do what I thought she was going to do, which is dob him in, mm-hmm. which was good. Um, do you think she was a character, though? To me, it's like even the, even the other people... The other characters in the show don't seem to treat her as much more than a, you know, a prop. Mm-hmm. They dismiss her because she's a child or whatever, and just you'll be fine. Just you know, pat her on the head. But I kind of like the way that turns on her when she falls victim to, you know, the, her circumstances and is then drowned. Yeah, I mean, we don't get a lot from her, but I think what we did get made her really sympathetic. Mm. So I wasn't like her her death. Um, still to me was like, I could understand why it hit everyone so hard. Well, it works. It, the, yeah. But ultimately it's all just motivation for what everybody does next, yeah. especially Serena. I think what Aiden brought to this season, even though I don't, I don't necessarily think she was the most fleshed out character. No, mm. I think she did bring back part of like a bit of the, the tension mm. um, that season one had like that sense of just like, Ooh, this is I'm not I'm not quite sure what to think here. She's a bit of an unknown quantity. Mm-hmm. Um and any scene with Aiden in it, you were never sure how well, how it was gonna go. And that's that's the that's the thing that I missed so much in this season. Sure. Yeah, the dance of the different yeah. roles that everyone yeah. has to play. Because until the until, mm. you know, the uh, the end where she's Brutally drowned. Um, you don't. She's not like she's not participating in any violence, or do you know what I mean? Like she's. It's much more a psychological game mm-hmm. with her. Yeah. yeah. And so by when she is killed, mm-hmm. Serena has a pretty big reaction, and then from that, uh, June finds the Bible. I loved the Bible as a symbol. I thought like it was a really potent idea and I believed that it may have been enough to really sort of shake 
Serena, knowing she's a writer as well. Mm -hmm. um, She obviously values that in her previous life, you know, reading and literacy and so forth. And then just the way that June sold that idea of like she was trying, but the world was denying her this opportunity to get to know if you really believe in the idea of the word of God and they can't read it. Like how, how is, how is your daughter going to do better than she did? Yeah. I was like that. Uh, yeah. I love when she's like, she can't read it. Yeah. When she was she talking about, can't. Yeah. Their daughter. Yeah. It, I just thought that was fantastic mm. and so compelling and so articulated and really thought, I felt it would have moved Serena and then loved that moment where she starts having her little, like very cautious conversations with the other Mm. Mother, mm. the other wives yeah about like it was interesting because when she was concerns. having that conversation with the other wife angela's mother i can't actually remember i, I know name. it was angela's mother too <laughs> that's how i wrote it down um i did not think that woman was being receptive at all to mm. that conversation i thought she was kind of shutting serena down but when obviously they go into the next room and the room opens up and there's all these women there it's like oh clearly they are gonna have a conversation but i didn't get that at all from the scene between them i was like oh Oh, oh, that's what I love though was that mm. the the they didn't feel like they were receptive to each other because they couldn't actually act like they were being receptive yeah. because to admit that you felt that way could have been a really big problem. Yeah. So there was all these like but cautionary they even tricked me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then the scene where they go in and they plead the case before the council of white old dudes. Mm-hmm. Um, great scene. Yeah, I, yeah. I I was. And beautiful. Beautifully. Well. Sh- the mm-hmm. lighting of that is amazing. The way they're all um, staged in that scene. Everything about that's fantastic. Mm. And then she reads from the Bible and then she loses a finger. At first I thought he just divorced her when he put the ring down. Oh, oh really? <laughs> yeah. I was just like, oh, that's so upsetting. And I saw the hand. I was like, oh. No, because earlier we have a conversation between Emily and her new commander where they talk about the punishment for reading. Used that's, to be yes. cutting off a hand, but now it's just a finger. Well, once it happened, I was like, oh, this is all really well set up, actually. They yeah. they kept reminding us of this reading yeah. thing. I thought, well. It, what, she never walked felt- through the door with like a bloody bandage on her I hand. don't know what I was doing. <laughs> I was obviously on Twitter at the time. <laughs> But Mr. The, detail. Yeah, Mr. Detail. But then it was, I was like, okay, this makes sense now. Mm. But the... Um, even, well, or I'd forgotten that rule and then saw the hand and immediately was remembering that conversation between Emily yeah. and her commander or whatever. Um, yeah, it's surprising how... Like, I don't like Serena by any degree, mm. but she is a very interesting, complex person. Well, that's the, I think Serena is an amazing and interesting villain. I think she's really compelling to watch, which is... Unfortunate because then I, I look at Fred and I was like, well, you were not interesting at all. I like just I just want to spend time like trying to understand Serena's villainy because that's really captivating to yeah. me. Fred is just a power hungry, weak willed douchebag. He's not interesting. Well, he's not, not interesting because he is everything he appears to be a complete hypocrite, someone who's just using his power. He doesn't really believe in. This mm, stuff as much yeah. as he like he's the one who talks about leniency and stuff. He's the one that takes June yeah. to Jezebel's or whatever. Like there's nothing yeah. about him that's authentic. This this is the thing is like why I don't want June to go back to the Waterfords because that dynamic between him and June to me is incredibly boring. It's the same thing over and over again. Sure, okay. His dynamic with Serena I think is interesting. Yeah, because. What, they have a very long history. Yeah, yeah, They really know who each other are beyond the roles that they have been assigned now. Um, and she sees right through him and she tells it to his face, probably not so much now that she's had her finger cut off, mm. but I think that dynamic 
could be really interesting, could give us more insight into who he is more than any interaction he could have with June because he will always be that power-hungry, weak-willed douchebag with her. You make a compelling case and I hope I'm wrong about the idea that she goes back to the Waterfords. I just feel it's inevitable to me. You know what's interesting because I think I think that he has shifted a lot um, since the beginning. Like he was all lenient and everything and playing Scrabble, et cetera, et cetera. And but that was all it, just no, no, power. no, no. But even with his in his dealings with Serena, but I think maybe, maybe if what you say is right, like that, there's a like war happening, and he's under a lot of stress, like more stress to sort of defend their way of life. Yeah, and that's reflected in his like stepping up of practicing what he preaches at home, like the first time when he beats Serena after, you know, after they've been writing. Yes. Yeah. And he beats her and that surely is the first time anything like that has ever happened mm. between the two of them. And then it's just sort of like, well, that's set a, a new darker precedent. Yeah. So he's he's already I think, a power-hungry, weak-willed douchebag, but he is just falling further and further into that. Yeah, yeah I, I think, think it, I think it's been taken way further now. Like he actually like super believes it mm. whereas well, she's yeah. moving but, but f- believes further, it or believes away. in its effectiveness like I, I think he believes in his own his own um in his own like you know entitlement so i agree with that 100 percent, and that will happen to anybody who's given that amount of power is eventually they'll come to to cherish it and will wield it Mm. Which is, is what that he's doing. the right word? Entitlement. I, yeah. I, well, he's yeah, absolutely. It's the yeah, right word. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think or just power, even just mm. the power that he wields. Yeah. yeah. I also think in moments clearly we see that he's under a lot of pressure at work, which is an another added element to it. But I think, which is like really important to remember, is like when people are confined within these very strict gender roles, even those. Who, ha- who have the power, like, you know, the the patriarch of the family are so confined that, of course, there is going to be a huge amount of anger and resentment that the system doesn't work that they've been told should work. So when he's having all these problems with these stupid women that keep rebelling, mm-hmm. it's because the system doesn't work. It's because mm-hmm. that's not how people function. And so that feeds all of this anger and resentment and because he is the one in power, he is able to express it mm-hmm. um, in whatever way he wants. But yeah, it's just like it's just adding fuel to the fire. Then I'm sure is just going to explode one day. Definitely, yeah. absolutely. Um, we're starting to get pretty long in this. Is there anything else you specifically want to talk about? Any other topics or scenes or characters ongoing? Do we have any particular thoughts about Janine, for instance? Like what they're doing with her? She just seems to bounce back and forth and be the closest thing I mean, to the I mean, I just enjoy her presence. Oh, oh, one thing I loved yeah. was uh, May the Force Be With You. Because when I'm like, I start, <laughs> yeah. sorry, I started watching this show, like back in season one, and they'd always be like, May the Lord open and all that stuff. Yeah. I was like, everyone must be thinking of like, you know, live long and prosper and may the force yeah. be with you and stuff. Of course, people would be thinking that. And just to hear Janine acknowledge like <laughs> how dumb that <laughs> stuff is uh, was pretty great. There was a line with the um, when June gets dropped off by the butcher guy <laughs> who was in season one, he, mm. and he, she says under his eyes goodbye, and he just says, "After a while, crocodile." Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> little bits like that yeah. that sort of so good. yeah show how not invested in this mm. whole system the they nonsense, are, the yeah. nonsense of it. Anything else? 
don't think so. I mean, we've already spoken about... Oh, okay. So we have spoken about how we didn't spend a whole lot of time in Canada and Luke and Morris' storylines were, you know, kind of wasted, didn't really add a whole lot. One thing that really bothered me in particular Hmm. was Moira's flashbacks. Hmm. What do we have? We had her doing a surrogacy. Oh, apparently, yeah. Apparently that's a thing that happened that no one's mentioned no before. No one's mentioned before. And also she had like a fiance that no one's mentioned before. Mm-hmm. It was in no other flashbacks except for these specific ones. I was like, this is a perfect example of how rushed a lot of these, you know, character moments, supposed character moments feel to me. Uh-huh. It's like, where did that come from? Why am I going to mourn the loss of this woman that... The whole time I'm watching this episode, I was like, yeah, she didn't exist where did until she this come episode. <laughs> I don't know this person. Like, I'm very aware that she has not been mentioned before. And I'm thinking of that more than I'm thinking of, like, oh, this must be really affecting Moira. Yeah. Because it feels then like it has been constructed. It feels I should, yeah, I shouldn't be aware of that when I'm watching it. Totally. Mm. Anything else? Particularly about the Canada stuff, I'm, I'm always wondering about, there's just not a whole lot there. Luke's weird, like, apathy about finding June. Does that mean much to us? Where he's like, oh, we trust that she's alive. and Or is that just him putting up walls? Or I think that's him mm. putting up walls. I yeah. don't think he's actually genuinely apathetic about it. I think it would be so overwhelming. That Does it feel like it was unexplored, though? Like, you released that, that or tap on that idea. Totally. Then- I think there's a, a wealth of story in Canada between like we've got you know we've got glimpses of the, the trauma that Moira is experiencing yeah. that all of them really oh, are yeah. experiencing but we don't really so go what, why there. aren't they going there why aren't they doing that because oh, you need fifteen rapes an episode I don't know <laughs> I really don't don't know I don't so are know. they worried are they worried that people aren't going to be receptive to that stuff they don't care about those characters enough or they don't or it's not as compelling yeah. as the imagery inside yeah I I think they probably are? are worried and I that was a criticism of season one was like those moments felt superfluous. But the way to fix that is not just to keep it on the fringe of the story. Yeah. The way to make it better is to enrich that story. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? Anything on top of your head, Lauren? I just think it's interesting that we've talked so much about the very end of the season. And to me, that says that not a lot went on in the rest of it. <laughs> I mean, I was I was going through trying to sort of put it all together and yeah. my notes really die in the middle of the season in a lot of ways. Yeah. There are a couple of highlights here and there, but it does feel like a lot of the main events, the things that matter. Like, okay, for instance, mm. you brought up that you were really looking forward to uh, the, the episode ends with the bomb going off. You're mm. like, I can't wait to watch the next episode. Mm. Didn't seem to have a huge amount no. of impact except getting Janine and yeah, Emily that's back all, two that's episodes later. Did. Like that yeah. was the big uh, – oh, and then well, it did – and sorry, what if it ends up in hospital and we have um, Serena and and June doing the document things, like doing the writing together. But again, that lasted mm. 10 minutes into the next episode. Mm. Like it just didn't have any ongoing real mm. – we were treading water in the middle there, weren't yeah, we? Yeah, Mike, Mike, sorry, I just looked at – my notes for each episode again and episode eight women's work was at the end of, i'm like this is the first episode that i've actually wanted to watch the next one which is when june and serena are developing their relationship yes um and then obviously the next episode happened and it went nowhere well um, it, it just it was again it was the back clear, and forth right it's like I oh, have no notes oh, for the next episode yeah. the moment the moment that june mentions hannah serena just like shuts down and it's like oh well 
What do we what do we gain there? Anything? Do we mm. feel any differently about these two? How they feel about each other? Yeah. All right. Let's move into final thoughts. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. Do we have any side notes at all about this season? I've got a couple. Um, is that the second time that Fred has had to ask where the tea was kept? Or was that Serena in season one who asked where the tea was kept? There's the same as this ongoing that was little... Serena and then the Martha gave her whiskey instead. Is that what you're talking about? No, there was a bit where they someone's in the kitchen in season one and goes, mm. where is the tea kept? I can't find it. I'm pretty and sure lit- Serena. And literally shows her this person the tea, the same exact... It's in a different position in the kitchen. Right. The exact same one. And then Fred asked where the tea was and almost identically to the way Rita did in season one, June like picks it up. It was here the whole time in plain sight and puts it down. It's like, what the fuck do you know where this shit is? I just thought that it's almost the closest thing to a running joke this show has now is where is the tea? (laughs) Where's the tea? Hilarious. Um, We talked about the maps that Fred was looking at and the Broderick Hotel. So I've already done all my uh, side notes. What about you, Damask? Any side notes? Um, just like to say what up to Cherry Jones, who played June's mum. Big fan of hers. She's great, hey. She's mm-hmm. seen everything that She's I've seen. ever seen. Is there anything specifically <laughs> that I would remember her from? Because like, she was familiar, but I didn't place her. She was in a relationship with Sarah Paulson for years. <laughs> That's oh, where really? I know her from, yeah. She's a babe. From um, peering in through I, the window. She's in, <laughs> she's in um, Transparent. Oh, I haven't watched Transparent yet. She's in. She's literally in everything. And, she and is, she's you're right. Like, and isn't she in like Black Orphan or is that what the show's called? Orphan Black. Orphan, orphan Black. Black, <laughs> Black Orphan. Oh, no, man. That was the um, Annie remake from a few years ago. <laughs> yeah. um, orphan of Colour, I think. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, I just orphan wanted to... America. I just remembered, like, the most... The cringiest moment of the season. Mm, yeah. Oh, what is it? When those, like, colony chicks get married, when they're dying mm. and... Je- like Janine's orchestration of that whole thing, and I just, f- I just found that like, just again, way too much in the sentimentality sort of. I think I, I like the idea, I really do. Yeah, but the execution is just, was just like so. What? Like what? You rock up here. You've been here two days. Suddenly, you're spreading sunshine. It's rushed, right? Yeah, rushed, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Janine can get away with it for some reason in my books. It was, it didn't, it was something different. It was, Mm. you know, we're talking about this lack of hope. It was something. Yeah. I just feel like that really complex conversation that Janine and Emily have about how to deal with their situation. Yeah. What is the best way to survive and or fight? Um, One, I think it can be demonstrated perhaps not in, a conversation, but through actions, maybe over more than one episode. Um, I just, I, I just, I want more than these broad statements that are meant to make my heart swell. Mm. I want to get there organically, and yeah. I don't think I did in that episode. I thought it was sweet. I really liked the idea. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, I personally love the line of Janine's where she's talks about like oh, talking about like oh cows don't get married or whatever which i because mm. emily was talking about it being a slaughterhouse and she's like oh well cows don't get married which i which i think is really quite lovely but i but i just i want to get just let just take the time we have an hour every episode let's i don't know i just want to get in there i just had a flashback to another thing that happened this 
uh, season, which was the for the ongoing problem of like, um, oh, there was that episode about why Angela, the baby, wasn't thriving. Mm. I forgot all about that. And then they got the handmaid who was... Was the handmaid or a Martha? I can't remember. A Martha. A Martha who was like brilliant neonate mm. surgeon or whatever it was. Mm. And she had a, looked at her and was like, oh, no idea. No idea what's causing it. You should just try and love her more. Yeah. And so then they finally get Janine in and she like takes all the stuff mm. off. And I thought that was very sweet. I actually really liked the way that episode ended. Mm-hmm. Didn't know what oh, the... Oh, no. I love the singing. Uh-uh. Um, I love that. I thought it was really... I, I don't know. Janine brings a different energy and element to this show this that we again? otherwise don't get. What was this um, It was like really literal. Was it a Beach Boy song or was it something else? Something like that. It was something, something about, about I really only close. want you. Yeah, yeah. I only want to be with you. That, that's right. It was like way you. too literal. I'm like... It was sweetly like, sung though. Like, yeah, cute. It was cute, but it was like... You know, I think I'm slightly more with Broad on this one. That I think Janine can get she away. Al- she almost did with a bit more. Maybe I'm just a I, bit cynical. She's used so sparingly too. But I oh, that's agree the most used that that, that is such an easy. They created a problem. They and created an easy what solution. Was what was the comment there too? It was like such an obvious. Does it feel like we need a whole episode? <laughs> no, stressed around this we moment. Know what's, we know where it's going. Especially when a couple episodes later, we've got the same problem where, yeah. Um, yeah. where Serena's having problems feeding yeah. Nicole, and it's yeah. like finally she lets June do it. But what it's I like- actually think is a more compelling part of that story. <clears throat> Is the neonatal surgeon? Yeah, yeah for sure. And, but it's and Serena, no, that's what I'm saying yeah, is sorry. that it's totally underused. And that's, I mean, because we have elements of June picking up that pen, using that tool that she used in her previous life to carve out who she is, what yeah. is important for her life. Same thing with this neonatal surgeon who takes the stethoscope. This yeah. is part of who I am. This is where I get my power. This is how I show to the world why I'm important and the removal of those tools that these women have. That's why it's so important for Serena to, you know, read in that scene that she does. Uh That's the really compelling part of that episode. Yeah. And I I, I do love that thread line throughout the season. Is it too scattered? Is it too... I think so, yeah. Is it the problem? Is it so. just too... Yeah. It's not yeah. dispersed you know what, evenly enough? You know what was really confusing about that episode is that Serena blames June for for getting... For the fact that the neonatal surgeon came in, but it was her idea. And I was really confused at that episode because they started out friends at the start of that episode mm-hmm. and she was like, oh, we'll, you know come and help me yeah. with this handmade thing. And then it was actually Serena's idea to get that that surgeon. Mm-hmm. Um, and but then- I think that's that confusion you're feeling about that is about the confusion and complexity of Serena is that she... Because she, she then just turns on June. Yeah, at because the end that, of that is episode. the person that Serena does. She can be nice she can appear decent and there are parts of her that are those things but she's also the kind of woman that would hold down another woman while she's being raped yeah 
Like she is willing to sacrifice anyone for her to get what she wants. And if she is feeling bad, then she will put that on you. It's got nothing to do with her. Nothing ever has mm. anything to do with her. She, and that's just a part of who she is. She often reacts appropriately to the tr- stuff that's going on around her. She s- cries and struggles with the rape. She really s- cries and struggles with Eden's death. Mm. But then she has this way of just compartmentalizing and putting it away somewhere. Yeah. It's, it's part of her character to just shift it off herself to have experienced it like everybody does and she really feels emotions and then somehow push it aside i was really expecting her to take uh the baby at the end just to run away with it mm. when she said i want i was like oh she's gonna yeah i was spill this thing. shocked that she didn't i was shocked that she gave it back i really was and i was like oh this is maybe this is an interesting Potential point of growth for Serena. Yeah, when June Lee gave her over to Serena, I was like, "What are you doing? She's clearly going to go. Why would I ever give my baby to you?" Yeah, it's funny having just this conversation here and you talking about like the bit with the the surgeon getting the stethoscope and stuff, and like you put all those little motifs and tableaus mm. and stuff into context and, yeah. and there is a lot the stuff is there the stuff right? is there it's it, totally there yeah. it just feels like so much wading through misery and tonal mm. like uh, yeah just dourness yeah. the whole and time that it's it, the explorations it's, of that are not there like yeah. the scenes where we have Serena and June working together kind of conspiring together they're at the very end of an episode and the very beginning of an yeah. episode. Where is the actual episode about that? You could do a great episode about you that. You totally could. Imagine a whole episode of them in that room like, together would be fascinating. We saw that little bit where like uh, Serena's typing or whatever or writing mm. and June is looking it over and like with a pen. She comes over and says, I still think you can switch these two paragraphs and maybe think about redoing the start if mm. you want to. It's like there's no fucking way their relationship started there. Yeah, exactly. Where is there? I want to see this Serena the writer and June the editor and have them clashing heads. Like, <laughs> we need to see how that relationship worked. Like, yeah. what? The, there's, That's the story. Why aren't be, we watching that? Yeah. What, isn't that what about to be a compelling episode? Yeah. And we skip it all and get that moment and go, there's no way that's where that yeah. started. Instead, we get Fred coming back. Everyone is isolated and withdrawn again. And then Serena gets beaten. So, the potency of this season, of this story is being diluted is the problem. Mm, it's yeah. there. There is definitely stuff to mine, but it's being diluted. And misdirected. Yeah. And misdirected. Mm, yeah. Uh, favorite and least favorite episodes. Starting with least favorite episodes. I'll go first. My least favorite was episode five, Seeds. Um, this is the one where June is a fucking drone through most mm-hmm. of it. And the problem with it was exactly what we've been talking about. It's this up and down nature where we establish that she, all of a sudden she's become sort of this drone. She's sort of lost her identity or or her identity of feeling of self. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of the episode, she has it back again. Yeah. Why'd we do that? Do we need that? <laughs> do we need that episode? If we remove that episode wholesale, what are we missing? Mm. We or if you're going to do that, if you want to have... June really feel the repercussions of what she's just experienced. It needs to last longer than it an needs episode. to last. Yeah, it's either takes <laughs> yeah. place over a few more episodes, and we or see don't her do it crawl back from that darkness over time. But no, not in an episode. Mm. Exactly. What about you, Damas? Mine is episode seven. After I like the development of Serena and June coming together and working. I was looking forward to seeing where that went. Um, <clears throat> but as we literally just discussed, just discussed. Uh, it didn't really happen. Uh, 
it's back to you know the Moira storyline is rushed to me and a total waste. Uh, the return of Janine and Emily seems absurd. No one can die apparently. Um, and the handmaids whispering their names at the grocery store seems so out of place and dumb. <laughs> I mean, I understand the desire and I, I think that moment between June and Emily is really cool. Yeah. of being like, my name's June, um, which I, I really loved. But the way it's put together undermines the reality of Gilead. <laughs> I mean, they're just like, my name's this, my name's this. It's... There's guards around. There's mm. also other people that aren't handmaids. There was a bit where... And Eden clearly hears what's going on. There's a shot of her looking around as they're whispering. There was a bit uh, later on where June and Janine and Emily are walking down some stairs. Mm. And I think Emily says something about, just imagine that your commander is being put through a wood chipper. And they say it right next to a guard. Mm, yeah. Like, she said it loud enough the person behind her could hear it. There's no fucking way the guard in front of you didn't hear it. Yeah. And how is he not reacting to that and going, you know, at least, you know, mm. pulling her up on it? I thought, that's absurd. Yeah. At first, like, when oh, and they're suddenly mm. in a huge clump of six walking around together yeah, talking weird? about their children's birthdays. Like, get away with yeah. that now. Mm, yeah. Mm. At first I was like, oh, are things becoming more and more lax? And then, like, you know, Janine gets knocked over the head or whatever, like little things. I was like, well, I guess not, but maybe they are. I don't fucking know anymore. I don't know what the rules are anymore. It was just Sex in the City day. They were allowed to walk around in fours that day. (laughs) Oh, who's the Samantha? (laughs) Who's the Samantha? (laughs) Imagine. (laughs) Those conversations between That's what that brunch revolved into once Serena left because she was uncomfortable. Emily's definitely the Miranda. (laughs) Uh, Lauren, did you have a least favorite episode? You can remember what's My least favorite episode was, I think it was episode 11, the one, the birthing episode. Uh, the, yeah. oh, oh, the, the one in the house. The, the actual bottle. Now that's actually yeah. a big episode. Actual. That's a that's a huge one. You didn't like. Tell me why you didn't. No, like. I didn't like it. I didn't like it um, for a few reasons. One, whatever episode was before that, like, so there was a big break in the, I guess, the airing of on Australian oh. television. Oh, really? Um, between because of the World Cup. Uh, um, right. between episode ten and episode eleven, and in that break, I mean. I don't have a lot of contact with lots of people who watch this, but I did notice that there was a bit of like, oh, um, what, like whining on social media about all the pain and suffering that we've had to go through mm-hmm. with this blah, blah, blah. Surely it's going to get better soon. Cause that, well, and that so episode- this is the episode where she where she's talking, where it starts off with this voiceover of her yeah. being like, I'm really sorry that all this pain and suffering, that I, I've had to show all this pain and suffering, but this is real. Like, this is what's really happening. And it it's seems exactly like- the tone she uses. I know, sorry, sorry. But like, but this it, is my fucking but story. Se- but yeah. it seems, yeah, exactly. That's And it seems like, it seems like a direct address. And I was a little bit offended by that. I'm like, hang on, no, I'm allowed to not be interested in mm. like- yeah. 13 she hours. She talks about, like, oh, you know, the rape. story's really scattered and stuff. And yeah, I was and like, it, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah but it bloody is. It's been and written by people. A, it should be better. T- 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 yeah, exactly. It's not, not a justification <laughs> if you just say, I know, I know. Yeah, I know. It's yeah. meant to be. <laughs> I, know, <laughs> I like right? it that way. <laughs> you know. Um, and also, then that was a classic example of where I found the flashbacks to be just like filler, mm. like, just. Uh, just a direct like counterpoint like of to to what's going on now for no for no like reason that I could see and I was really confused about how why she 
having gone through the worst, what I thought was the worst of her labor, then goes out and attracts attention. Like, yeah, I found that really oh, confusing. I, at that point, I yeah. think she just she was, figured she had to. She, she's going to survive. Ultimately, she needed to be around other people. I think I just don't. Did she think she was bleeding out? Is that what was happening? I don't know whether it was that specifically, but I just uh. don't think she. Like I don't think she has a bad situation to be with just her and the baby. Look, like, it's not she ideal. She just wanted to stop safe. But I don't know. I was really, I was actually really confused. I thought what she was about to do was to go out and bloody kill the wolf. Like that's what I would have thought was happening. And eat the wolf. And I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> just climb inside the wolf like in Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> yeah. and stay warm. Yeah. Put the baby Put in the, there. It's a nice cute little warm. cradle. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, and I thought a whole episode on giving birth was a little much. Also, like it bloody terrified me. Like <laughs> personally terrified me mm. as a woman who's never had children. I, I'm like, like. What the what the fuck? <laughs> Can I say this is the only episode that reminded me of another episode of um, Keeping Up with the Kardashians? What? Yeah. <laughs> I was just, as I was watching, I was like, I did not think this was going to happen. Um, which was when June reaches down and like pulls the baby out of her vagina. Oh right, because that's um, Courtney Kardashian does it. She's like in a hospital. She's not alone in front of a fire. But she's in a hospital and she's like, you know, halfway through pushing the old baby out. And she just like reaches down and just like grabs it. And no one's really expecting her to do that. But she's like, oh, my baby's here. <laughs> and just grabs it and puts it on her chest. Which is like, it was clearly a very like just instinct- instinctual thing. But yeah, there you go. That bit reminded me of keeping up with the Kardashians. <laughs> Sorry. <So. laughs> um, favorite episode. Damascus, you can go first on this one. What's your favorite episode? Uh, I already said it, but I can't remember. So just wait while I scroll up. There we go. (laughs) Episode nine, Smart Power. Um, So we have many of our players separated, which gives the story room to breathe and to move a little bit, which I loved and I think was certainly necessary at that point in the story. We really needed it. Um, It was nice to see the Canada storyline, which has often felt dramatically less engaging than the Gilead stuff. So that was cool to see it come and join the party. Um, Watching the freshly beaten Serena navigate seeing the world she helped destroy while holding onto her dream of a child was really captivating. Um, Yeah, it was just, it was good stuff. Um, Sure, I do wish someone had punched Fred in the face, but I wish that for every episode, so can't complain. Yeah. Favorite episode? That same one. one. Yeah, I I really liked that. I liked the expansion. I liked the change of scene. Um I liked where where it ended up. Um and I was excited to watch more, but then obviously it went back to Gilead. <laughs> nothing else happened. Uh, my favorite episode is episode 13, The Word. So, the last episode. The just bird is the word. The bird, bird, bird. Lots to chew on there. Lots of payoff. Lots that got the wheel turning. Just things happened. Mm. Like, it was too much of a long build up. But that episode, st- shit went down. And I was really happy to see that. And I'm interested, if not excited, to see what next season's meant to be. Apparently, according to one of the executive producers... There will be a lot of emphasis on the resistance next season. Yay! Which is good, but... I'm looking forward to that. Who knows what that really means. Mm -hmm. 
Do we have any predictions, hopes, concerns? I've I, done a lot I of predictions. I have a hope. And What's it literally the... just occurred to me that while you're talking, I wasn't really listening to what you're saying because I was just thinking about this. I was writing my own fan fiction. Um, so what I want to happen is Emily goes to Canada. Mm-hmm. She catches up with her wife and son. Mm-hmm. They all obviously love each other but have not experienced similar things. So there's a disconnect. She's still in her son's life but she can't be with her wife anymore. Right? Mm. And then she... Obviously, like, talks about June. So, she then meets Luke and Moira. And then Emily and Moira fall in love. That's very, very possible. So, that's... I'm going to write that fan fiction tonight. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I want to happen. Um, And that's it. Thank you. Whoever thought you'd be shipping the handmaid's tale? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I've got to find something, right, to, like, look forward to. And, you know, cute lesbian couples (laughs) is always the key. Uh, thank you very much to listening, for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. If you'd like to contact us, you can do so via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. You can email us at contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com. Tweet us at huntingscast. You can find myself, Broderick Gordes, on Twitter at bgordes, B-G-O-R-D-E-S, where I've got some other thoughts about Ant-Man and the Wasp, particularly a review I overheard that someone say next to me that can basically compared it to um, Love Island. Oh, uh, wow. Sort of. That's a little taste. What about you, Damask? How can people find you on Twitter? You can find me at Maskymoo, M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O. Lauren, you barely have the internet, do you? Excuse me. Sorry. <laughs> I do now. But um, but in fact, I'll just add that I'm running a monthly story night in Brunswick for those of you in Melbourne, Australia. Woo. Visit Live Stories on Facebook. That's Live Stories on Facebook. But I just wanted to add, actually. Yes. It just occurred to me. Um, and this is like the example of how desensitized all the violence and stuff that I got in this season all the rape and just random killing and and every and cutting people's fingers off and the thing that terrified me most was the childbirth yeah <laughs> yeah they put a lot of emphasis on it you know it was very <laughs> stark lighting it was just the fireplace it they spent you know it's the shortest episode no, but of season even two. the flashbacky bit in the hospital oh, that I was, was terrifying like, oh my god oh my gosh i completely interrupted you what were you doing what have you done on twitter recently Damas? you did no. but you know it's just like being in gilead <laughs> <laughs> um no i think all i like tweeted about this week was southern charm um, just about how the character of Ashley, also called Trashley by the fandom because she's fucking trash, um, how in this season you hate her more than you could ever hate Joffrey because she is what? truly villainous. I hate her. Anyway. Wow. That's actually kind of enticing. <laughs> um, thank you to Sean Kirkpatrick, a.k.a. at Shawnee Boy Draws for his logo and design work. Thank you, Jordan Calavis, for our theme song and Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club for our bumpers. Find links to their work in the show notes. If you like what we're doing here, please share us around with people that you know. Pass on links. Um, pass on this link to one person. I'm going to not even say about the reviews. Forget the reviews. Grab the link to this episode or to our webpage and go, hey, Bruce, I think you might like this and send it to them on uh, Facebook or on Instant Messenger or email or in person. Just type it into their phone. Do it. <laughs> just hand them a piece of paper with the link. <laughs> <laughs> Make them write it out by hand. That's a great joke, actually. Yeah, feel free to do that. And send a photo of it, please, if you Well, do. just tell them to Google Hunting Seasons Podcast. They will find it. We come up on the front page um, pretty quickly. Uh, next week, we'll be back to discuss... Bojack Horseman season one. It wasn't what was written in my notes. I'm glad I remembered. (laughs) Um, You've seen Bojack Horseman all four seasons so far. Yep. And it's coming back pretty soon. What do we expect, Damask? Have we got any sort of... uh, Uh, Depression. I've watched a season and a half and 
I got depressed, so I oh. assume it's just more depression. That's sad. I thought it was a cartoon about a horseman. I thought that sounds really fun. It is. That's the hook. Oh. No, I'm sure it's going to be amazing. There's all these really great punny jokes. Oh, it's well, amazing. I'm up for that. Mm-hmm. Really excited. Oh, no, no. <clears throat> no, is not it? puns. What's the other one? Alliteration. Yeah, oh, I, alliteration I like that even jokes. more. Yeah, it's, it's kind of Alliteration amazing. jokes, yeah. that's underused comedy. Puns are It's puns overused in the fourth season, but it, like, it's, it's, it's so good. <laughs> okay. I'm looking forward to alliteration jokes <laughs> in Project Horseman. Uh, thank you very much, Lauren, for being on the podcast as well. My great we'll get pleasure. you back thank for you. Handmaid's Tale Season 3. Oh, my gosh. But not for Glow <laughs> Season 3 because apparently you're scrubbed from apparently that Apparently not. This yeah. has been great. This just feels like when we all used to live together. Oh, yeah. that's cute. I'm glad I moved out. And thank you, listener, for listening to the podcast. We will see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.